What's up, everybody? It is Thursday, December 3rd, and you are listening to the Pat McAfee Show. Pat is still down in Orlando getting ready to do some uh, some practice with his teammates as he is getting ready for Wool Games, uh, which is on Sunday. Still got a great show for you. Cordell slash Stewart, former Pittsburgh Steelers legend, joins the show to talk about uh, Taysom Hill and how similar – or different they are as uh, quarterbacks. We'll talk about the Wednesday afternoon football game. And also Jeremy Chin, defensive rookie of the month for the Carolina Panthers, will join the show. It's a great conversation. A.J. Hawk stops by. Today's a fun one, so let's get to it. There's a lot going on in the world. I just got done with team practice, by the way. Yeah. Okay. Just got done with the sweat. The boys and I just went put in some work there, getting ready for the steel cage match, the Sunday War Games WWE Network. I cannot wait for that night. And by the way, myself, Danny Birch, Ernie Lorkin, and the bruiserweight Pete Dunn. Great chemistry, very quickly in that ring. I, I just want to let you know, we are setting some good things up, some moves, some teamwork Woo! stuff. That's I think cool. Donna Spirit Era potentially, potentially never wrestles again. Yeah! Uh, can't wait to chat about all things happening in the world. Yesterday, Wednesday afternoon football turns out to be shitty football. Yep. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, yep. Turned out to be very, very bad football. Uh, I think we could have expected it from the Baltimore Ravens who haven't had the ability to practice, didn't have a lot of their players, have uh, kind of run through the gamut here with the old COVID the last couple days or whatever, you get our last week and a half or whatever. But the Steelers are also very, very sloppy. Mm -hmm. I mean, absolutely just a sloppy football game. The Steelers get away with the win, but obviously they don't cover because Trace McSorley comes in and throws an absolute dart (laughs) at the end of the game, three minutes left, and somehow Hollywood Brown uh, makes a big play. They score, ruin all the Steelers backers because that's what Vegas does. 70-some percent of the money was on the Pittsburgh Steelers, minus 10, minus 10 and a half. It, it felt like that was inevitably going to lose, but had to back the Steelers strictly because Mark Schlair said yesterday they were going to win <laughs> by 20. Uh, we'll get to Atone Diggs here right now, who's a diehard Pittsburgh Steelers fan. First of all, Mike Tomlin had some electric quotes after the game yesterday. And, and I've been talking like this, I think, for the last maybe couple years, but definitely the last few months here as the Steelers have continued their undefeated season. Whether, you know, we can talk about whether or not they're the most impressive team in the NFL or not. They've won every goddamn game. So I, I think that has to continue to be talked about. But the way Mike Tomlin handles press conferences is gorgeous. It is, it is, it is beautiful. Everybody talks about the way Belichick handles them and how, yeah, we're on Cincinnati and all that shit. But the way Mike Tomlin speaks so candidly and how he never really says much, uh, but he uses words, big words, and keeps it moving. Yesterday, his postgame presser, maybe the best one yet that he's ever had. Uh, he cut a promo against his own squad a couple times. <laughs> Uh, which is awesome. But if you're a Steelers fan, and at Tone Diggs, I'm going to ask you about this. You have to be worried. First, Gary Gilbert and the Dallas Cowboys give you all you can handle. Then yesterday, RG3, okay, who did have the over in rushing. By the way, mm-hmm. shout out Attaboy. to him. One rush, by the way. God, that was a great bet. Uh, Foxy introduced it into my life. We both hammered that rather heavily. Um, he had a fumble early, a pick six early. Uh, there was a lot of just ugly ugliness going on in that game. And it was still a close game in the end. Tone, just like Mike Tomlin said, it looked like you guys were a JV football team. Still undefeated. Now, this happened with the Packers last year. 
winning games. They're saying it was ugly. But are you worried as hell about the playoff run for the Pittsburgh Steelers with these couple games with Gary Gilbert and Trace McSorley dominating against the Pittsburgh Steelers, dude? No, no, no. That doesn't that doesn't worry me at all. Like I, I like I told you and I told everyone this week, it's the Steelers and Ravens. Like that was that was guaranteed to happen. That type of game was guaranteed to happen, especially when it moves four times. And like I said yesterday, I can't wait to get that fucking game over with. And it's, it looked like and it seemed like the players were in the same exact boat. Now, if they were to, and they always, the Steelers always, 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 and we've talked about it with Ike, we've talked about it with Ryan Clark, they always play down in their competition. Now, if they were to get the doors blown off in the next few weeks by like the Bills or the Colts or the Browns or something like that, then I would be worried. If we're being honest, I just want to start the playoffs now because there's literally not one good thing that could happen the rest of the year for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Only bad things can happen for the rest of the year for the Pittsburgh Steelers, like injuries like happened to Bud Dupree. There's nothing good that can happen the rest of the season for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, Bud Dupree tore his ACL. Um, that's, he's a massive part of that defensive line, obviously, that has been impactful in damn near all of their games. Bud Dupree also playing on a franchise tag. So now what does this do for his future whenever it comes, you know, Talking money, this whole thing. At Ian Rappaport, no, at Rap Sheet, sorry. Ian Rappaport. Uh, Steelers pass rusher Bud Dupree is, in fact, done for the season with a torn ACL, mm. source said, following his MRI. Mike Garofalo and uh, 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 Didi. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. that you got? Yep. Yeah, it's a Didi. Didi reported initial test showed an ACL tear, and further tests have now confirmed Pitt's franchise tag player sets his eyes on 2021. Bud Dupree made himself a lot of money this year. Now, will the Pittsburgh Steelers pay him the amount of money that he uh, will probably demand or command in free agency? Probably not. Mm. Okay, that's just not the way the Steelers normally operate, but maybe they will see what had happened leading up to this point and how much of an impact player Bud Dupree was. 200 and what, 75, 280 pounds, runs very fast, and is absolute a game wrecker alongside T.J. Watt, Cam Hayward, all the boys to it, to it, all the, all the boys on defensive line. That was obviously a sad, sad situation from that Wednesday afternoon game. Connor, yesterday you said 10 years from now, five years from now, yeah. whenever we're watching Wednesday afternoon football, uh, we got to remember back to what happened yesterday and say, hey, this is the founding father of afternoon NFL Hell games yeah. in the middle of the week. Do you think that's still going to be the case with how shitty that game was? Now, I was watching that game. And as it was kicking off, I said, I thought to myself, I cannot believe that goddamn Rockefeller Christmas tree (laughs) tucked this game out of prime time last night. But it turns out, by the way, probably deserve it because that that game should not have been at night. That game was a shitty game. But do you think this is something, Connor, that you enjoyed enough that you would want to see going forward a mid-afternoon game? in the middle of the week of a work week with no holiday or anything like that, Connor? Well, I absolutely loved it. Uh, I want to definitely lead with that, but it was dog shit. No, I, I, oh. I did not think it was good. I think Tuesday might be the day. Wednesday is just, it's not the day. You said it yesterday. That's when you put in your game plan. That's a big, you know, that's a big practice day. The The middle of the week game, unfortunately, has to be on a Tuesday. That way we can still start the week on Thursday and have, you know, what, four days of a week of NFL football. That's what we're, what we're really open for. Rest in peace to the Wednesday afternoon game, mm-hmm. I guess. Uh, Connor yesterday was projecting it to have a long, illustrious life. It had one game, and it's probably going to be done with how it was. <laughs> yeah. But you're 100% right. Those Tuesday night games, which shout out to the Ravens, they got one next week. That Tuesday night game we saw between the Bills and Titans earlier in the year, I enjoyed it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I got nothing on TV on Tuesday. Monday night football, obviously. And in the offseason, you got uh, you know wrestling on Monday night. So you always got something live on Monday nights that involves action. 
Uh, Wednesday night, obviously, NXT. How you doing? Keep it moving. Mm-hmm. Last night, uh, seven-minute promo last night. <laughs> yeah. That's a long time. That's a long hey, time. Hey, sweet Hummer, dude. Hey, I thought of you whenever I hopped yeah. in that song. <laughs> I was like, you know what? Coach Diggs and Tony Diggs are going to love this. We'll throw back to the past. Nothing like six miles per gallon. You know what I mean? Just go ahead and do what you got to do in that thing. But Tuesday nights, live action. I mean, that is a gorgeous thing. Yeah. And then you take off Wednesday. Then you got Thursday night football. Then Friday night, uh, you know, hey, going into the weekend, you got to do what you got to do. Obviously, you got SmackDown if you're a wrestling fan. But aside from that, college football's on Friday nights. I mean, granted, Maction's on Tuesday. I get it. But Come I mean, I, yeah. I get that we bet on it and we all do the Maction. Yeah, we're talking about the Shield. Shield. I'd rather I mean, have the NFL football game. on Tuesday nights. I'd rather have the NFL. <laughs> <on Tuesday nights. laughs> um, but I, I think they should expand the horizons of the um, the nights where games are played or the days that games are played. Yeah. But then that's going to cause quite a task for the schedule makers for the health and safety of players with recovery time and everything like that. But I don't know. Yesterday, if that game was worth a single fuck, I think we have a much different conversation about how everybody enjoyed it. I'll be, have the ratings come out on that thing yet? Well, I mean, unfortunately for no. Indianapolis, at least, the WAF yesterday was blacked out because the NBC broadcast wasn't it wasn't working or there was a contract no, dispute. Yeah, that, it was everywhere. The AT&T, DirecTV. You couldn't watch the game if you had DirecTV. Yeah. Just a, just a quick heads up, Connor. Whenever you're going to draft or, or drop a WAF in there, uh-huh. okay, <laughs> most people aren't going to have a clue what you're saying because that's probably uh, something you guys were talking about off the off the air back there. So you should just say the WAF, you know, Wednesday afternoon football. Like oh. so everybody that's listening or watching that isn't in the office, you know what I mean? Now, granted, I put that together very quickly. Okay, That's what I figured. I had no, I had no idea yeah, what he was talking that, about. Yeah, that, that didn't come up before the show. I was yeah. just uh, spitballing your WAF just rolls off the tongue. Yeah, it does, but then you should explain it because it is such a good name, obviously, for people that maybe can't pick it up as quick because as soon as you say that, I think a lot of people potentially went into the Boston Connor listening habit where they just get entranced with whatever you just said there and then don't listen to everything afterwards. So you just kind of – but I do Wednesday afternoon football. I didn't know it was blacked out in Indianapolis. You guys didn't see that game? We streamed it, but, yeah, you if you have DirecTV, you couldn't watch it. Whoa, is this one of those DirecTV NBC yeah. disputes? Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Affiliate oh, yeah. dispute, yep. I, I think it's only going to get worse, by the way, because um, I, I think I have Xfinity in the house, but I also have uh, DirecTV because Sunday the NFL – The ticket. The, the yeah. whole thing there for uh, the downstairs. Xfinity is currently battling – NBC, CBS, and Fox. Okay, so there, there's like a ticker at the top that's like, if you love this show, be sure to tell blah, 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 because you're in danger of it losing. And that kind of that happens, you know, every few years or whatever. You see it on one channel or another channel because there's contract disputes. But now that everybody's cutting the goddamn cable, I assume that some people are expecting a certain amount of money and other people are saying we can't give it. I wonder if that's – are we – Potentially right on the precipice of just streaming everything and all these apps taking over because there's no way Xfinity, DirecTV, and all of them are going to be able to pay what they've been paying for a long, long time with how many people that are cutting the cord. This could be the dawn of a new day. So you guys obviously missed the game and had to stream it, but that's potentially the the future going forward here, and at least Indianapolis, I think. I think in these markets where they're battling currently. That's, oh yeah, well with that's Peacock. a change of the whole world, by the way. Oh yeah. yeah. With Peacock TV, too, like what's stopping NBC from saying, yeah, we're showing all Sunday Night Football games on here now? I mean, it's just. And and it's very obvious, Connor, if you look at any of the marketing plans for anybody, Mm -hmm. everybody wants people on their streaming services. Mm -hmm. And I'm in the WWE Performance Center, so I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about Vince McMahon did this fucking like 10 years ago or whatever. 
And he was like, ah, oh, we're going to have our own network. People are going to subscribe to it. And everybody's like, you're going to kill your business. You're going to kill your business. You're a fucking idiot. Now he has like 2 million, 2.5 <laughs> million network subscribers. His own network. He can do whatever. And I assume he's going to, he already, I think, sold some of it to Peacock to have on their app. It's like everybody's going to be trying to get people onto their paid subscription service. And it feels like the people that are going to be left out, probably Comcast Xfinity. But a lot of motherfuckers still got that on their TV. So it's like. Yeah, I get everybody's cutting the cord, but there's still a large amount of people that are still utilizing TV for certain things. And this is just like what we talk about with a lot of things. The first generation that has to experience something is going to be the most drastic. Like mm -hmm. we talked about the Portland drug laws, right? Yeah. They got like meth available over there, mm -hmm. mushrooms, heroin, I think is only a, a whatever class one. It's like the first generation is going to ruin that entire thing. <laughs> yeah. then once it becomes just like the normalized thing. On the backside, it's like much different. That's going to be the same thing with the cutting of the cord and everybody. Like I'm thinking of Tim McAfee having to fucking download all these goddamn apps so he can stream things. <laughs> that's going to be that's going to be amazing. Never but gonna that's going to have to happen. You know what I mean? One major drawback too is uh, we found out pretty quickly you can't go on the internet or like Twitter at all if you are watching it on the delay. Like I mean, everything was getting spoiled oh, in the yeah. game, so that did kind of stink. We. We were also streaming it down here on this TV right here, mm -hmm. and I was getting tweets about they congratulated us on the RG3 rush hitting, and I'm like, Foxy, I think we hit, and then like 15, 20 seconds later, it comes on, and he busts that 39-yard <laughs> yeah. record. I'm like, good for us. And then as I put out the tweet about him hitting it, they're like, oh, Pat, you're a jinx. I'm like, I'm a jinx. What, did he get sacked for a 40-yard loss? <laughs> did that happen? And they popped his hammy, that next play or whatever. I was like, oh, my God. So it's, it was very interesting, like, being told the spoiler that was coming and then trying to guess for 30 seconds about what it was and then seeing it and like, ah, oh, that wasn't what we thought it was going to be at all. Okay. And then, by the way, T's and P's to his hammy on that particular run. I don't know how he took a sniper and then came back into the game. By yeah, the way. Normally, normally sniper on the yeah. roof, you're done for there. He goes back in. But whenever we saw that happen, Foxy and I, we go like, obviously not good for RG3 there, but like good for us. We got the over on the rushing. He can't get sacked to take that back. And now probably Steelers covered by 10 and a half, at least without him. It, so we're like, the person that tweeted us, like, bad news, I'm a jinx. I'm like, complete opposite. It's like, it fucking worked out for us here, actually. And then turns out, Trace McSorley goes out there and slings the goddamn thing at the end of the, end of the game and kind of ruins it all. Um, Ty Schmidt, mm -hmm. I know you're a guy um, that loves whenever people adapt and overcome. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. your thing. Right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Big time. I love Coastal Carolina. Okay, and this is not an NFL conversation. Obviously, we're pivoting uh, vastly here to uh, college football. And college game day this weekend is going down to Myrtle Beach for the Coastal Carolina shant to clears. The shants, uh, you know, the real deal turf field. Uh, surf and turf is what they call it. Mm -hmm. uh, the mullet, mullet team, the undefeated Coastal Carolina squad. They were supposed to take on Liberty this weekend. Mm -hmm. And Liberty... Uh, another team in their conference that's having a great year, and it was going to be a big deal. And then, obviously, conversations started to arise from the Liberty folks about, hey, well, uh, we might have we might have the vid. You know what I mean? <laughs> we, we might have a problem here. So I know this is potentially biggest game that we've ever had in this conference, okay? And I know we're going to have game day here, and this is a big goddamn deal. But it's, it's potentially not going to happen because of what we got running wild through our locker room. 
and I don't know if it was Coastal Carolina or if it was the conference or who it was, and they were like, well, that's not Coastal Carolina's fault. Coastal Carolina gets to host game day. They got all the eyes on them. If you guys can't – you guys have till Thursday, by the way, to let us know whether or not you're going to be able to figure it out. We're not doing any more bullshitting all the way through the weekend. Uh-huh. If you guys can't do it, we're calling the Mormons over there. <laughs> They're looking for games. They will fly their asses in here and play with a two-day notice. So, Liberty, you need to figure it out. Okay, you're either part of this weekend or you are not. It turns out they are not. So now the Coastal Carolina – uh, Chanticleers will be hosting Zach Wilson in the BYU squad. I mean, this is amazing. I love that they did this. This is incredible. And all the bullshit about BYU turning down Washington a week ago, and you heard one side where Washington was like, well, BYU doesn't want it. And then you heard from the other side, BYU people were like, Washington just asked for 50 things for us to do this goddamn mm-hmm. game. Like, we're not going to be able to do that. BYU taking this game short notice, flying into Myrtle Beach. Now, BYU's players won't be distracted by Myrtle Beach, okay, because nope, nope. it's part of their religion not to be distracted by <laughs> whatever Myrtle Beach could potentially offer. But this is awesome for all parties. This is great for college football. This is good for Coastal Carolina. This is good for the BYU squad. I'm pumped that they're doing this, tie. And as an Iowa Hawkeye uh, guy and a Big Ten guy, you have to look at what Big Ten's doing and be like, these stooges. Look at what Coastal Carolina and BYU are able to figure out down here. And the Big Ten is just like, yep, no contest, can't reschedule, don't even think about playing anybody from any other conference. Yeah, it makes no sense. And then you look at, like, Ohio State. I mean, their backs are going to be right up against it. Like, more than likely, they're, they might not be able to play enough games and they're going to have to rely on just people assuming that they should be in the top four. But they – they didn't, they really didn't have any choice, right? Because both these teams are on the outside looking in. Like, I don't know if this game really, like, tilts them into being in the top four consideration, but oh, at least BYU and Coastal? Yeah, but at least... Oh, it doesn't, for sure. Right. <laughs> but but it'll yeah. this will be a very memorable game, and, I mean, yeah, it's just, like, it, it'll be, it'd be tough to leave one of these guys out if, you know, Ohio State can only play five games or six games or whatever, and they can't get in on their own merits alone. We all agree that there's no chance BYU or Coastal Carolina get into the college football. Correct. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, there, there's no chance. So, and by the way, I'm not saying they don't deserve it, okay? Like, that is not for me to decide. I am strictly telling you, if we look at how the college football playoff committee has acted in the past and are acting currently, there's no chance that they can make it in there. They're too far down. They're both in the teens. There's no way they'll be able to climb that up. And even even if teams lose, they'll be able to like, yeah, but this one loss team, mm-hmm. da, 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 like that's how it always works out. I'm not saying it right, but I'm just saying that that's right. But I'm just saying that's how it normally goes. So for me, them being able to adjust on the fly, make something happen in a world where nothing is normal, for me, I just think that is absolutely glorious. Like I, I when I saw that, I was like, that's common sense. Like here's two teams that need games, that are healthy enough to have games, that can make something happen, making something happen. This is just like whenever a team earlier in the season couldn't play and, like, Alabama wasn't able to play because somebody else was playing. It was like, why don't we just have these two motherfuckers play each other? And they're like, well, they can't because blah, 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 blah. I like that these two teams in their conferences kind of put everything aside and were like, no, let's just let's go ahead and make this happen. It's not going to help them get in the college football playoff. I'm not saying that because Cincinnati – is above them, and mm-hmm. they're probably going to be the power six team. That mm-hmm. if anybody has, they're not. They don't have a chance, by the way. But if they, and I'm not saying that's right. But if any power six team was to get in there, I believe it was Cincinnati this oh, yeah. year, mm-hmm. as it probably should be. But I like these two teams making a play for it. I absolutely love it. Uh, at Ty Schmidt, uh, it sucks that the Big Ten sucks. But um, hey, by the way, end of the show last night. Into the camera. Mm-hmm. It's great to be great. It must suck to suck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I loved that. I absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I was a big fan of that. Like I, I 
I, I don't know where it came from. Did not have it planned. Just went and looked at the goddamn camera, you know what I mean, and said it. And normally anytime I say anything, there's some stooge on the internet that's like, oh, you're stealing blah, blah, blah's thing or blah, blah's thing. And I'm like, well, I didn't even know blah, blah existed, so I'm not stealing it. Maybe, <laughs> just, maybe blah, blah had a great brain just like mine is or whatever. Last night I said that. Nobody said a single thing. I'm like, well, <laughs> Must suck to suck. <laughs> Keep it moving. <laughs> and joining us now is a man that's from the Indianapolis area. Uh, went to Southern Illinois. Has taken the NFL by storm. Second round pick. He's currently the reigning, defending. Uh, no, no, this was for October. I don't know if they've named another one. But, ladies and gentlemen, he was a defensive rookie of the month for October. So, I don't know if they've named the November one yet. I am not 100% sure. But uh, he had two <laughs> touchdowns in, like, 10 seconds last week. Ladies and gentlemen, Jeremy Chin. Yeah! 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 Woo! What's going on, man? What's up, Pat? Man, I'm excited to be on here today. Hey, I'm pumped that you're on here, too. I didn't know you were an Indianapolis kid. Yeah, man, I'm from India. So, you know, I, I grew up watching you. Oh, well, I'll tell you what. I'm happy to know that I probably taught you everything you learned. <laughs> <laughs> That's good to know, man. Hey, the NFL, you have been absolutely dominant. I think this year, more so than years past, the rookies have been doing good. Like, for instance, normally rookies come in and there's like a learning curve and how you doing, keep it moving. Quarterbacks, wide receivers, yourself. It feels like the rookies are kind of stepping up a lot more than they have in the past, yourself included. Is it because, like, you guys are more prepared, do you think? Do you think it's potentially because of the COVID offseason with the Zoom, you're able to learn and digest everything mentally before you had to do anything physically and it wasn't as confusing, you got to learn your house? Like, what do you think it has been, like, for you personally to make the transition? Obviously, it's not easy. Nothing is easy when you come to the NFL. But it has made it almost feel as if you've been able to step right in and play really high-quality football for the Panthers down there. Right. Well, one, I definitely think there has been a learning curve. I mean, I feel like I've been learning this whole season ever since, you know, week one, since camp, really. But uh, I think the virtual, you know, OTAs and stuff like that, learning the playbook, that's definitely helped a lot. So when I actually got here to in Charlotte uh, for camp, I was pretty aware of the playbook. And I feel like I had, you know, just a, a, a foot in the door already, you know, in, in a sense, just because I was able to take all that time, take all that time just to learn. Second round draft pick. So obviously, it's not like you have the um, the oh, he's a seventh rounder, an undrafted <laughs> free agent chip on your shoulder. But Southern Illinois is not like an NFL factory. I mean that that how do you how'd you end up at Southern Illinois? And then what happened at Southern Illinois that propelled you into a second round pick and into the player to, that you are today? Was it a body thing? Was it a physical thing? Was it what was it that ended you up or that you ended up at Southern Illinois and? That got you to where you are now. Yeah, really, it was it was a physical thing. I was let me see my sophomore year of high school. I think I was maybe five seven, one hundred and twenty five pounds. Oh, so <laughs> I hit a I hit a growth spurt late in high school, and that's that's how I ended up at uh, at Southern. And then um, from there, I, I ended up starting four years at Southern. So and, and that really prepped me, you know, to come to the NFL. I had a lot of great coaches at Southern, so. What did you – you just woke up one morning and you're like, oh, I'm no longer a little child. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is Basically, that what that's happened? pretty much how I'm it went. Because you hear about that with basketball players a lot. You hear that, like, basketball players, a guy will be 5'8", 5'9", high school point guard, 
Okay, he's got handles, he's got shake, he understands the body a little bit. And then all of a sudden, like over one summer, they're six foot five now, and they have to kind of, they're like Jacob Solly in the Avatar body <laughs> trying to figure out what they got going on. Did you have that entire transit? What was the process of you growing and becoming a much larger adult as opposed to five foot seven, 130 pounds? Yeah, most of it came my junior year of high school. So I actually ended up missing almost half my season. Um, as a junior in high school, just because I was I was growing so fast, so uh, it's kind of you know a, a blessing in disguise, just because you know I was I was upset I was I had to miss those games and it really hurt my recruiting, but you know I was growing at the same time and I think it it paid off in the long run. I'm reading some of your stats here from high school. Okay, it says chin, it's chin right or is it shin chin? It's chin, chin. The second, the second N is silent. <laughs> silent, or you could just hold it in a little bit longer. It doesn't matter. Okay, Chin uh, Fisher's <laughs> high school product finished among the top three for safeties in the forty-yard dash, vertical, and broad jump at the combine. Forty-one inch vert, one hundred and thirty-eight inch broad jump in a four-four forty-yard dash. Chin. Also did 20 reps at 225. On the- oh, so you're a freak, huh? Yeah, yeah. That's got to be a lot of fun. You ever play pickup basketball and just, like, in Indiana, especially go to LA Fitness or YMCA and just yam on all the little white kids that are trying to play like Gord is in high school? You do that all the time, huh? We did that all the time. <laughs> I bet you did. I bet you did. Indiana, big basketball state. Big basketball state for a long, long time. I assume with your young age, Peyton had already come and kind of changed the the narrative of football. Did you play basketball in high school? No, I, I never played basketball in high school. No, I was I was more of a track athlete, football and track. What you do? 100, 200? Uh, 100, 200, 4 by one 4 by 2 indoor. Yeah. Did you do it in college too or just in high school? Just in high school. Ah, oh, so you weren't that fast. Kind of say. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> Diggs, what do you got for him? Jeremy, we talked about your height and your speed and your weight. And, like, with you coming in out of the draft, it was kind of like kind of like an Isaiah Simmons situation. Like, where are we going to play him at? Because he could do so many things. Um, like, when you got to the Panthers facility, did they already have a role for you? Did they know what they were going to do with you? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if they did. They just kind of threw me in there. Uh, they threw me in at Sam Linebacker, so – uh, I, I really learned that position first, and then you know as the season kind of went on, it moved me around, and also I mean throughout camp as well, moved me around, try some different things. So um, you know I've really just been kind of everywhere. Matt Rule, whenever he was at Baylor, now granted he is signed for like seven hundred million dollars, <laughs> so I don't know if he's you know any different now. But when he was at Baylor, uh, I got a chance to call a couple of the games, so I went down there the night before, talked to the players, talked to the coaches. And Matt Rule told me straight up, he was like, yeah, like, I'm not like a super fun coach. He's like, it doesn't mean like I'm a, I'm a super hard ass. He's like, I'm just not like, like, hey, we do football here. What has he been like as an NFL coach? Now, granted, you haven't got a chance to experience any other NFL coaches. But what has the style been? Because it seems like it's resonant. It, by all accounts, everybody looking outside of Carolina is like, okay, they're building something awesome down there. Matt Rule is the guy for the NFL because not all college coaches can make the transition or whatever. But what has his style been like, and what has Phil Snow been like playing for? What what Coach Rule explained to you? That's exactly how he is. Like, <laughs> that's it. Like he he hit the nail on the head right there. Like, he's not he's not obviously the the super fun coach, but I mean he's a great he's a great guy. He's a great coach. Um, and then Coach Coach Snow, he's just a a football mind. I love playing for Coach Snow. He's he's creative. He 
personally, he puts me in positions to be around the football. Um, you know, as a guy who's coming in who wasn't necessarily uh, a safety or a linebacker in, in a lot of people's eyes, he's he's found a way just to put me around the football. You go in offense at all? Do you have any offensive snaps? Nah, I got a fake punt. <laughs> That's about it. Ooh. Oh, you PP? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, I would have loved to have a guy <laughs> at PP. Now, granted, Colt Anderson was awesome, all right? He was the Montanimal. I love Colt. I love Pat Anger as my – but I couldn't even imagine having a guy that is just a physical specimen at PP. Matt Rule is going to fake some punts now, too. I mean, that guy, he is not scared to roll the dice. The first time I think I saw you guys run a fake, he was actually – and it might have been your first fake of the season – he was screaming down the sideline, basically, that you guys were faking a punt, okay? And it was on TV. And I literally was seeing it in fourth down. He's screaming. And I was sitting at home because I like Matt a lot. And I'm like, Matt, you can't fucking do that in the NFL, Matt. You can't be screaming that you're going to do a fake. And then literally you guys got stuffed on that one or whatever. And I was like, all right, is he going to be scared now to run fake? He's not at all. Like, you guys are wide open on special teams. It's awesome to watch down there. Yeah, he's he's a coach. He's fun to play for because he's gonna do whatever it takes to win. He, I mean, if, he sees if you win by you lose by twenty or you lose by one, a loss is a loss. So we're gonna go for the win. Whenever you are doing your cadence for the PP, um, what do we do? Do we go deep down? Because you're the one calling the play. Obviously, do you have a deep growling cadence? Is it a casual cadence? <laughs> and how many times did it take for you to figure out which way to send a long snapper uh, before you you got it right? Because I assume there were some times where you fucked that up, where you sent them to a bunch and there was a swoop and you got blown up. I'd assume. How long did it take for you to learn that position? And how is the cadence? Do you feel good about your cadence out there? I think no, Mike. I, I feel real confident about my cadence. I think my cadence is. I've worked on it. I think it's pretty good. Um, and as far as sending the long snapper, I haven't, I haven't messed up too much. Um, you know, our long snapper, JJ, he's, he's been in the league for, I think his thing is 13th season. So if I'm wrong, he'll make me right. (laughs) (laughs) It's good having a guy like that out there too. Uh, it's not an easy position by the way, because you got a lot of guys in there that have never played special teams. I assume you didn't play teams much at Southern. Did you? No, I I was PP at Southern too, though, but. Oh, that's big then. That's, by the way, very smart of your Southern coaches saying like, hey, uh, if you're going to play at the next level, which you have the ability to, you're probably going to have to do a little bit of special teams. That's very, right. very smart of them to do that. Um, but that's not easy to do because you got to command. That's a com- you got to command people at that position. And you also yeah. got to be confident. There's a lot of things into it, you know? Yeah, for sure. What's your, what's your cadence sound like? <laughs> you bark it? You put a mouthpiece in? You put the mouthpiece out? What do you do? I got my mouth guard stays in. I got one of the the molded ones. It's the custom one, so Ooh. I just. Ooh. Hey, that's what happens when you're defensive rookie of the month. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you get the whole thing set up. I gotta be Connor, able to talk out there. Hey, Connor, what do you got? Yeah, Jeremy. Uh, Luke Keekley retired from the Panthers earlier in the year, but I believe he stayed on as like a scout or some of some sort. Uh, how has he impacted you this year? And does he help at all, like during practice with tips or anything? Yeah, he helps a whole lot. Um, even when I when I first got there, like he's he's probably one of the people I talk to the most just to get some type of knowledge, get from anything you know anything you can get from Luke Keekley and just take it from his mind and put it in mind. Then you know that's just an advantage in itself. But uh, as far as like taking care of my body and some of the resources that he's given me, uh, it's so important right now, especially earlier on in my career. And um, yeah, I mean he's been he's been everything. 
Yeah, you got to develop your habits now, you know. Like that's kind of the yeah. – because college football, high school football, it's all fun and games. You're good. But now it's like, hey, you're with the, the men. So now this is – we are always told, and I assume you're being told the same thing. It's like look at somebody who's been around a long time and then just get in their back pocket and figure out what they do, how they got there. The fact that you guys have Luke Keekley down there to chat with, that is quite a weapon, I assume. That is, oh, yeah. That is, no, he – hey – he was a maniac, dude. Like whenever he was off the field, glasses, you know, super quiet. Hi, how's it going? Nice to meet you. Then he gets on the field. Fucking nightmare out there, that guy. He was a do you are you the same type of person? Are you a maniac on the field? What is your demeanor on the field? Um, it's like night and day. Like I'm I'm pretty Oh, you're chill. a psychopath out there. Oh, okay, good. Nice. <laughs> you're you're trying like when you hit, you're trying to go through the ground, like, hey, we're trying to like you, you when yeah. you get on the field, you're a whole different animal. Oh yeah. <laughs> Has it always oh, yeah. been that way, or did you have to like develop that? No, it's always been that way since I, since pee wee football. <laughs> hey, so you're five foot seven, 120 pounds, and you're like, you know what? I'm gonna fucking bury. You. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're well on your way, man. Congrats on the rookie of the month in October. Um, the defensive rookie of the year honor is one that you would remember forever and is obviously held in high regards. You're in the conversation, obviously, so you should feel damn proud about that. Uh, finish off this season, man. Enjoy the hell out of the process, dude. Hey, thanks, Pat. I appreciate the words, man. Thank you for having me on. Hey, no problem. Don't get your punter killed, all right? <laughs> no, I won't, man. I won't. I'll die before <laughs> he dies. There. Who's punting oh, down there right now? Who's punting down there? Joe Charlton. Oh yeah, rookie. he's a rookie Not too, sure. right? He's is he young? Yeah, he's a rookie. Massive leg. Oh yeah, he got a boot. Yeah, well you have to in the NFL, but that's a great question. Uh, <laughs> we can't thank you enough. Good luck on your defensive rookie of the year run in the rest of your rookie year. Tell Coach Rule we all said hello, and can't wait to watch you continue to develop into the absolute monster that you're going to become, man. It, it's it's really cool to watch you play. Hey, thanks, Pat. Thank you. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, Jeremy Chair. Yeah! Yeah! Five foot seven, 130 yeah. pounds or something like that as a sophomore. <laughs> and then imagine just waking up one morning and be like, oh, my God, I'm going to make money playing sports. <laughs> Pat, he said he, he said he missed most of his junior year because he because he was growing. That's crazy. like I don't even know what that means. Yeah. Th well, that's what happened. You. <laughs> The Jacob Sully in the Avatar thing is real. Like I think if you hear any of those stories about those guys who grow six, seven, eight inches or whatever out of nowhere, and there's a lot of guys, I guess nowadays with science, that can predict that it's coming. Mm -hmm. like, oh, yeah. your, your feet are so big. Like At some point, you're going to grow into them feet. You know? <laughs> some people don't. I met a motherfucker that did not grow into those feet, and he was just uncomfortable to look at for the rest of his life. And He... He had grand visions of being in the NBA, too. But he had great handles, but his body never caught up to those goddamn feet that he had. So, I mean, that's problematic. But there, that growth spurt has come on. Anthony Costanzo, left tackle for the Colts, he, he had to go to a military JUCO or something like that because he was like 100 and some pounds. He was only like six foot something, but he played offensive line. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he grew to six foot seven, 200 and something. <laughs> God damn. So you just woke up saying, oh, okay, yep, we finally made it. I'm going to make $100 million. This is going to be awesome. Those basketball players, the same thing. But I bet you it's a bit uncomfortable mm -hmm. whenever you hit that growth spurt because now you're trying to – it's like a whole new body, basically, you're trying to 
You know what I mean? It's probably a little bit weird. I wouldn't know. I haven't grown since eighth grade. So, yeah, yeah but think about how dominant you oh, were. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, my friend. <laughs> oh, yeah. And we had a couple of those guys in our school, Diggs. You weren't the only one who, eighth grade, they were taller than everybody. Oh, they were so cool, dude. <laughs> I remember how cool they were. And then it was like a year or two later, and it's like, yeah. Oh, isn't this interesting? <laughs> isn't this interesting? What it all? You see, what had happened was you yeah. uh, did this thing a little bit earlier, and seems like I'm just going to keep going. So why don't you just shut the fuck up? <laughs> <laughs> that was a, I had a growth spurt late. I think I don't know if it was that late. It wasn't as big, but like tenth grade, I think is really where I came in. I think I started weighing like 200 pounds in like tenth grade or whatever. I was gonna say Ooh. you're never short though. Like you were always taller. I was thin though. I was super. I was I was super skinny. For a while, and then the legs and everything uh -huh. just kind of caught up to all the work that I had done for the uh -huh. previous ten years or something. Like, I don't know what happened. It was pretty cool, but I got a little bit stocky, and then that was when it was really a good time to be a soccer player. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Little boys, see you later. How you doing? Keep it moving. Hey, that defensive rookie of the year is going to be tough. Him, Julian Blackman of the Colts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, was, the guy that caused the uh, fumble in overtime. I assume there. Oh, Winfeld down yeah. there in Tampa. Yeah, the top five right now is, is Jeremy, it's Justin Blackman, it's Chase Young, it's Patrick Queen, and Antoine Winfield. Patrick Queen, huh? It was – so last night – Ty, uh, how do you feel about uh, Patrick Queen as a player? Pretty good? Well, you know, every time – I mean, yeah, they they should have taken him, okay? But I feel like any time people talk about him, like PFF has him, has him ranked as like one of the worst – linebackers uh and i don't watch like the ravens that closely enough to really be able to tell but yeah the packers could use him i feel like i always see them making plays though yeah that's I always, I, I always see them making plays and then when they do that introduction of them they have that pff rank underneath it's always like bad i'm like but i always see them making plays weird. so is this it's just one of those situations in pff by the way we love pff oh, oh, yeah. love, love, them. Them. love pff they need know. pff to survive for as long as possible but is this one of those situations where they potentially don't know what his job is on some plays mm -hmm. and they think that he's potentially fucking up or somebody else maybe i'm not saying pff does that on a regular basis pff is awesome they watch every single play they judge it former scouts it's really whenever you talk about the kicking punting uh position they're really the only people that watch the film and judge it off mm -hmm. uh, accurately, but other positions as well. So that is interesting, though, that he's kind of graded low, but it feels like he's always making plays. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's I was I was very, very confused when that popped on the screen last night. I was like, that doesn't I mean, they are they are unbelievable at judging punters and kickers, but I just don't yeah. know about the linebacker. Yeah, I'm, they're the only ones who watch the film, by the way. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. yeah, like the AP. Whenever they vote for all pro or whatever, they those guys—they mm -hmm. ain't watching film. How do they fucking know? What from somebody that told them? They—they they, they don't watch the film. <laughs> they don't watch the goddamn film. Tales it's in very the obvious too, by the way. It's very obvious. Very obvious. Well, and Bobby Spillane should be ranked number one. I mean, I saw him at like <laughs> he was thirty-three. Yeah, he—he he was way up there, and that, we know that's wrong. But by the way, thirty-three is pretty good. I yeah, think. it was oh, like yeah. out of ninety. I think I saw it was the number. <laughs> yeah, when I when I saw old Bob Spokane at thirty-three, I was actually like kind of pumped up for Bob. I was like, <laughs> all right, Bob, playing good, playing pretty good. But it is, it's like a Madden rating right there underneath these. As soon yeah. as you introduce him, uh -huh. okay. uh, this guy's one hundred out of one twenty. This guy stinks right here. <laughs> this is, and they almost like to just draw a circle, and they they're going to be making up for this guy's. And then oh, but look right here next to him, number one. So. These two should probably have a conversation, and maybe he should send over some information to this guy. It looks like, just like looking at the number right down here at the bottom, it's very, that has been a common interesting thing because it's on every single introduction thing. Mm -hmm. like, hey, Pat. This person is ranked worst in the world at what he does. <laughs> yeah. What's going on, Dix? 
So like last night when Bud Dupree goes out and out and Devin Bush is out too, and obviously Tomlin could say next man up, next man up, but like what does the team actually think? Depends on who's in there, right? Like when Devin Bush goes down, I would assume the boys knew that Bob Spokane had a little bit mm-hmm. of energy, but they didn't know what he was going to do on the field. You know, so I would assume the boys know and are probably friends with whoever's going to come up. So whenever they say next man up, obviously you have to have that mindset because they're, I mean, I guess they kind of did for the Ravens because of COVID, but they're not going to delay the games. Like, you know, like a game is coming. So the rest of the team is like, hey, like, hey, next man's up a real thing. But this is also an depending on what the person's motives is. And and I tried to, you know, learn about some people before I tried to give them little pep talks. If I knew the person was money driven, it's like, hey, man, you got an opportunity now to go make. Hey, now's the time to go make not only a name for yourself, but a lot of fucking money, right? Like, you're going to get an opportunity mm-hmm. here to go make some plays. Let's go for it. And you never know, though, if a guy's going to be good or not. Like, Bob Spokane, he could have been number 90 out of 90 there, as opposed to 30, uh-huh. 33 out of – you know what I mean? Yeah. You never know what's going to happen on the field. And that's why when people say, well, uh, we'll see what happens when the lights come on. We'll see what happens when the lights come on. Because some people just drift away into irrelevance who are dominant in practice. That's just something that actually happens. So – I would assume the boys know who the next man up is, mm-hmm. and Tomlin has to say that because that's the reality of the business is, hey, the games aren't going to get moved. We still have to play, so we need somebody to step up next man up. And, by the way, that happens for coaches, too. We saw it this year where coaches are out. It's like next man up. Our guy, Blaine Stewart, was going to be running special teams if old Danny couldn't get back oh. without the game. You know what I mean? It's like, hey, next man up, you got to do your thing. So I think when you're in the locker room, the players, um, unless they know that the guy's shit, right, that's, that's potentially like – uh, next man up, but the next man is... It's probably going to be Alex Highsmith, who was the third-round pick this year. He had 15 sacks as a senior last year for Charlotte. He's made some plays this year, so like it, it gives us some some positive thinking going forward. Yeah, but like, when he made yeah, his plays earlier, right, he was probably coming in relief of somebody. Correct. Offensive lineman probably pretty tired. He was super juiced, you know what I mean? So it's like, I, in the 15 sacks in college, I respect it at Charlotte, <laughs> okay? I believe they're the 49ers. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. So he gets 15 sacks there. He's playing against Evan Fox at tackle, <laughs> potentially. You know what I mean? Every once in a while. So I, I honestly believe that unless we've seen – the people who probably know whether or not he's going to be worth a shit are the Pittsburgh Steelers offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like they know whether or not this guy's got it or not. If he's Even if in practice he isn't making a bunch of sacks, but uh, a tackle, maybe Villanueva will go like, uh, hey, he's got this burst or he's got this. And I would assume the Steelers do a great job scouting – and the defense is good. So I think probably everybody's like, all right, this guy, he's got his chance. But when you lose a guy, your mm-hmm. franchise tag guy who has been changing games, it's it's obviously going to be tough. You're going to have to adjust. But they're going to have to, hey, we do not care. With a short week, how much does that change, like, the game plan? Because you always talk about, like, Wednesdays being, like, a big day. But because, you know, today's Thursday and they play on Monday, what, what's, like, the uh, schedule no, no. like when it switches like that? Yeah, so you adjust everything, right? So yeah. whenever you play Monday night football, Monday, Sunday, so Sunday, Saturday. So Saturday's Friday, you know what I mean? So in the football world, there will be times during the season where you don't even know what day it is. Like, because – Oh, it's Wednesday right now. No, it's not Wednesday. It's actually Thursday. Oh, we have two. You got, like, so that is just how, yeah. for instance, this short week, since they're playing on Monday now, right? That's mm-hmm. what the Steelers yeah. play. So I'd assume today, what, you start doing the math backwards. This is Thursday for them. This is mm-hmm. actual Thursday of the season or of the game week for Jeez. them at this point, even though they just played yesterday. So it should be Monday. So it's it'll be a short week, probably no pads, probably a lot of install. And then, bang, they'll try to be as fresh as possible for Monday night and keep it moving. But if you think about the way Tomlin spoke about that team, 
I would assume they were going to go no pads and be quick and a lot of install. Yeah. But Tomlin did not seem uh-huh. that impressed with the team or that <laughs> that grateful for what the squad's doing. And if a coach is in a bad mood, you never know what the schedule's going to be. So they're probably going to shorten everything up, try to get the boys some downtime and all that. But, I mean, it, it, the Steelers have gotten fucked in this entire thing. Mm-hmm. But the, the thing about it is still undefeated, mm-hmm. winning games that they, they should cover. I mean, what the fuck happened, dude? Was Minka Fitzpatrick, did he just hop into cement boots there in the fourth <laughs> quarter? Like, what happened out there? Did you see him trying to chase them? Yeah. He looked like he was running in ice skates. Like, what happened out there? Well, in his defense, Marquise Brown is probably one of the fastest wide receivers in the league. I mean, it just, I think the boys didn't care. <laughs> see, that's, that's that might be a bigger problem than, <laughs> because when you're playing on WAF, ain't that right, Connor? Yeah, you nailed it. You got to care whenever you're playing WAF. Oh, yeah. And to the Ravens' credit, don't let Trace McSorley get hot because he'll burn your ass. Gumpy, what's going on back there? I see you holding a mic with incredible glasses on your face right now. Home favorites, 48 62 against the spread this year. Wow. Dogs are now 101 and 77 against the spread all year. So are we just. Yep. Yeah. Fade the public. Whatever the top five public bets are. Take the opposite side. Even if it makes zero sense. Yeah. <laughs> Raiders, Jets. That's one of the top five today or this weekend. I'm taking the Jets. <laughs> yeah, but you don't know if it's top five yet. It's only fucking Thursday. As of uh, as of this morning, Colts, Chiefs, Seahawks, Raiders, Packers are the five teams with the most bet tickets on them. Yeah, but, 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 but what I'm saying is a lot of action comes Friday, Saturday. Yeah. Like you, can, okay. you can't do the what the public's doing right now for Sunday because, I, I mean, Diggs probably knows this much more than I because he literally studies where the money goes. That's not something I get into. I'm a strictly – well, now I'm go, I'm going to start. But yeah. the money could change from Thursday to Saturday very quickly. All you need is like a couple people to start betting the other side, right, Diggs? Yeah, normally in past years, um, early in the week would kind of signif- signify how the betting is going to go. But this year it seems like smarter bettors are waiting till later in the week because they have no fucking idea who's going to be out with COVID and stuff like that. Mm. So they're not putting their money in early. You know, and I do think that is kind of running against me with the super boost thing. They're asking me to put in my super boost Wednesday night. Can't have no, that. Can't do know. it. Can't win with it. Now, I will say we won a bunch, so like I wasn't making that excuse when we were winning. So me only <laughs> making that excuse when I'm losing is kind of, you know. Makes sense, though. Yeah, that's how hey, it it's, goes. It's fair. Yeah, yeah, but it's not fair for me not to acknowledge it whenever I'm winning and saying, like, yeah, but I kind of got lucky because the team that I bet on it didn't get COVID or something like that going into the weekend. And I'm only mentioning it whenever because I've been losing. But I would like to maybe have a little transparency in how that whole thing works. Like, yo, I'm making this pick on Wednesday. And sometimes the lines – are oh, yeah. going to benefit my bets, but they don't change because we already put it in on Wednesday or Thursday. So, I mean, there's a lot to go through whenever you're gambling. One of them would be, you know, like this does an entire team get the the big C. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, Pat, you, you make no excuses. You seek no comfort. I, I will like to say I do believe I am one of the least excuse-giving humans of all time. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think that is something that is true. Now – you know, 
I would be an undefeated pro wrestler still if it wasn't for that one match against Adam Cole. Mm-hmm. And if I didn't make a couple of rookie mistakes in there, you know, like kick the stairs. He obviously set me up for that to break the foot. And then why am I going to the top rope? Don't need to do that. You know what I mean? Like there's there's a lot of things that I potentially have made mistakes for. But I, I don't mind just eating things, you know, and just changing and becoming a better person. We have some breaking news here um, from the Woj. Anthony Davis has formally, okay, formally agreed. They have agreed the terms last night, I assume, but they have uh, uh, formally agreed to a five-year, $190 million deal with the Lakers. CEO of Clutch Sports, Rich Paul, tells Woj that. Congrats to Anthony Davis for the Supermax deal with the Lakers. This obviously comes one day or two days after LeBron James signed a two-year deal. $85 $85 million deal. He'll be getting paid $42.5 million as a 39-year-old man uh, playing in the NBA. And it seems as if he's nowhere near slowing down. Braun and AD became a hell of a tag team. Nobody knew how it was going to work because anytime you have LeBron on the squad with another superstar, it's going to be LeBron's team. How will they be able to gel? Seems like down in the bubble, they came together in a beautiful fashion that I would assume a lot of people thought they weren't going to do. After winning the championship, Anthony Davis said he wanted to come back to the Lakers, blah, blah, blah. Then he takes the player option to go to free agency instead of going back to the Lakers. Everybody was wondering, like, oh, my God, is he going to go back to Shaitan, turn the Bulls around, make them relevant for the first time in, like, 60 on, years, uh, whenever Michael Jordan was making up stories in restaurants to keep him motivated. <laughs> and enough. now we know he did that so he could sign a damn near $200 million deal. Congrats to Anthony Davis. Congrats to the Lakers, who not only added the sixth man of the year last year, the bat, uh, the uh, um, the runner-up for the sixth man of the year. Mm-hmm. They brought in Trez from the Clippers. They have Anthony Davis. LeBron James still locked in. Seems like the Lakers, with Vogel still on the bench, are at the top of the mountain and will be for some time. And LeBron James is just house and wine uh, talking about it. Also, the NBA, I think they had a 9% positive COVID rate as they returned back to training camp. Uh, 9% of the players tested had positives. I think they were expecting that. This is kind of what happened whenever teams went back for their first initial of everything. Uh, Guys will get quarantined, and then hopefully they'll be able to drop that number significantly. But I will fall back on my research that I have done. And I am not a doctor, I am not a scientist, and I have not run the numbers exclusively. But I do believe athletes have survived about 100% of the time Mm -hmm. that they have been deemed positive for COVID. Doesn't mean that that number could change. I'm just saying numbers are saying that the 9% of NBA players that tested positive coming back to the NBA probably going to survive, which is good news for everybody. Um, Also, the Rockets and the Washington Wizards have a massive trade that happened yesterday. John Wall and Russell Westbrook are exchanged alongside a one overall in the 2023 uh, draft uh, to change. This is interesting to me. This is very interesting. Last night I was listening to Woj talk to Scott Van Pelt, and he was basically selling that Russell wanted to go play with Bees. Um, Brad Beal. Brad, yeah. Brad Beal, yeah. Brad Beal, Bees. I, in my head I saw two Bees. <laughs> he wanted to play again with Brad Beal. I was like, well, didn't he just want to play again with James Harden? Like, what is – this is an interesting thing here. You know, and James Harden doesn't want to be there. So John Wall's going I, – I mean, the drama around the NBA is a lot better. Like, the yeah. contract signing for $190 million, 
and for $85 million and the trades and the drama around the NBA, much like the MLB, is a lot better, I think, in a lot of people's eyes than the actual games, even though I'll watch the shit out of NBA highlights because I like watching freak athletes do freak athletic things. But that one's very interesting. Whenever it finally gets out about what happened behind closed doors, both in Oklahoma with Russell Westbrook and in Houston with Russell Westbrook, and now with inevitably happens in Washington with Russell mm-hmm. Westbrook and James Harden in Houston and John Wall now being involved, that's the stuff I can't wait to hear about. Uh, yeah, it's being reported that uh, James Harden uh, preferred to play this season with John Wall instead of Russell Westbrook. Yeah, see, there's even more drama. Yeah. Because uh, didn't they offer James Harden like $200 million or something like that? Oh, yeah. yeah. Huge, like a $50 million a year extension. Yeah, and he was like, yeah, no, nah, I, I want traded, actually. Yeah. And now, now they're like, well, how about we just get rid of Russell Westbrook and bring in John Wall? And he's like, well, how about that $50 million a year thing? <laughs> yeah. By now, you know we're Arby's guys through and through here. We've told you about the roast beef and that it is slow roasted for three hours, and we told you all about the deep-fried turkey club that made our Thanksgiving season that much better. But Arby's is so much more than just roast beef. I mean, yeah, the roast beef is amazing, but there's a whole menu to explore here. They've got 10 different kinds of meats, 25 different sandwiches, including euros and wraps, nine different kinds of bread, unique sides like mozzi sticks, jalapeno poppers, and of course the amazing curly fries. So it's time to knock it off with the greasy pizza and burgers. Not only does Arby's have something on their menu for everyone, but it's better food at a better quality than the fast food junk you might be used to. So get your Arby's today, and right now you can enter promo code MEATS for free delivery on orders of $15 or more on DoorDash. That's MEATS for free delivery on orders of $15 or more on DoorDash. Joining us now is a man who uh, is a pro bowler. Uh, he was once the AFC Offense Player of the Year. He was known as Slash around Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania during his time with the Pittsburgh Steelers. He was a punt returner, wide receiver, quarterback, Tight end, I assume. I think he played center, nose guard, <laughs> you name it. Ladies and gentlemen, I once had one of the prettiest Hail Marys of all time at Colorado, uh, Cordell Stewart. Yeah! What's up, guys? How's it going, Slash? Thanks for joining us, hey, man. Hey, anytime, man. You know, uh, a Hail Mary pass that was once beautiful, I mean, it still is. You see it every year, you know? It's like you I tell the people all the time, every time I watch it, when they show it around that time of year in September, right? Uh, every yep. year when the season starts, it almost seems as if the play was actually took place maybe 24 hours prior to watching yeah. it. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, it. It's pretty remarkable to watch it every time. And the older I get, uh, the younger it keeps me. So we just need <laughs> to keep that thing alive. Hey, we will. Hey, we will for sure because it was a magical play. Um, I'd like to talk about because you were quarterback, obviously, in college. Yep. Then, then you go to the NFL. And who was playing quarterback when you got to the Steelers? It was Neil O'Donnell. Oh, Neil uh, O'Donnell. So, okay, now I got questions Neil O'Donnell. about Hey, Neil O'Donnell now in that Super Bowl. I, I, I don't need to talk about it. But the um, you had to, they had to figure out ways to get you on the field because of how athletic you were. And it was it captivated a lot of people, right? It captivated Pittsburgh. It captivated the NFL. And then when you got your shot to play quarterback, though, again, you were legit, like legit quarterback, solid quarterback. Now this same type of thing is happening with Taysom Hill, right? I mean, it's legitimately happening in front of our eyes right now. It is happening yet once yep. again. Quarterback in college. Then he comes to the NFL. Drew Brees is there, but 
Sean Payton's like, hey, we're going to use you because you're such a good athlete in all these fashions. Now he's playing quarterback. And everybody's saying, a couple weeks into this thing, Taysom Hill is now going to have to play actual quarterback. We'll see how it goes. Hasn't had a lot of success throwing the rock, but running the ball and being a weapon, everything like that. Do you watch him and think to yourself, I didn't get enough credit back in the day? Or do you watch him and go, I'm happy that a guy that was similar to me is playing in the, the same type of blueprint that I had? Well, allow me to, uh, when it comes to feeling like I didn't get enough credit, um, I'll leave that up to the writers and, and everyone that's a part of of writing stories about the things that I did when I was in Pittsburgh. But but here's the thing that in those days and in that time is when you step on, an, on the football field after you know being a quarterback for so long, but yet you go on the field and you play wide receiver and you're just as good or even better at you know asking some uh, then or with the guys that you're playing with. Um, it's hard in that era, in that time, for those watching the game buy into that talent being able to just be a quarterback. Because in that time in the AFC, think about the quarterbacks you had. Everything was extremely traditional. It was a pocket passer that's able to read the defense, uh, have a running game that was led by uh, uh, a great offensive line and having fullbacks in front of the tailback to where that style of play from the quarterback position wasn't really, uh, if you will, respected in that era. Mm. Um, you know, it was always said when the ball was, a, if you will, a wobbly ball, you know, nice throw, uh, the ball can be placed a little bit better, right? Or, or, or as opposed to saying, great pass, great read. It was, that was a nice athletic play, <laughs> right? So to go from playing wide receiver the way I did, catch the league by surprise to then being asked or given a chance to compete for the starting job as a QB and do a pretty good job at it. Right. Got us to an AFC championship game. My full, my first season, my first season, full-time playing the position to then two years later, after a couple of changes at coordinators, you know, from Chan Gailey uh, to then moving uh, to a Ray Sherman uh, to then a Kevin Gilbride and then a Mike Malarkey. You know, that, that's a lot of change with a guy that's doing so much. So now when you don't play well or you make a mistake, the conversation goes, why don't we put a natural quarterback in? Someone that's a real quarterback, take him and put him at the wide receiver position, let him be an athlete like he is. Well, the game has gotten to the point now when we cover the athletic and mobile quarterback, it's being talked about what can he do to keep the chains moving? Uh, look at like when you watch Taysom Hill playing that game, I think against uh, the Atlanta Falcons. Oh, great read, great throw, blah blah blah. And I'm like, gosh dang it, if I was only playing now. <laughs> gosh dang it, if I was only playing now. But let's be transparent. The body of work that I put in will not be erased. Uh, it will be categorized. However, the analyst that's analyze it, you know, it's going to be categorized in that way. Uh, but if that game and that style of, of play was in place right now without a yeah. shadow of a doubt it would be great conversations there would be no doubt that the plays can be made at the quarterback position with great throws making reads because nothing was questioned about my ability to be able to read defense it's just he probably would be better suited yeah playing wide receiver and maybe it was because in the tr traditional system like what they had in pittsburgh which was strictly great defense 
offensive line, get prepared with the smash mount running game. Quarterback, don't screw it up. Yeah. So it was almost as if it was so I was so talented at that position in Pittsburgh to where it almost worked against me to an extent, right? Uh, well, I but, think Cordell, I think the do? thing about it is I think the thing about it is it's an interesting thing whenever I hear you talk there, because whenever you make a couple mistakes, there's no patience from anybody. It's like, well, obviously, go. since he's not 100% here, put his ass out of wide receiver. Well, he, he was unbelievable <laughs> wide receiver. What are we even he, – he's not – what, are we going to have to go through growing pains over there? We just had him over right. here. You right. hear people start to say that. And also, yeah. anytime we have a, uh, a Caucasian wide receiver on or a Caucasian defensive end, you know all the hardworking, high-engine, coach's son, first one in, last one out, all of that, all the bullshit, right? It just continues, yeah. lunch pail guy, all that stuff. Yeah. Whenever you talk yeah. about how they said, like, uh, oh, that was a nice athletic throw or whatever instead of pass, I could tell that whenever you heard that, it, it still is something that you think to yourself, you're like, uh, that sounds like some bullshit, right? Like That is just an interesting way to say – what they don't want to actually say, you know, a ten pound bag of it, a ten pound bag. <laughs> of it. All right, um, but but allow me to say this, you know, when I watched the game today, you know, because we want to look at the glass half full. Um, I was a minority, in a sense, not literally but figuratively, based on my style of play. Uh, you had a Steve Young who had to sit behind a Joe Montana in a Bill Walsh system coming from Tampa and going through his run, I think, through the USFL to then learning the game, the West Coast style offense. Um, my time of tutelage, if you will, uh, was playing wide receiver and hearing the plays, seeing the plays actually be executed to then having opportunities to then with in 96 with Mike Tomczak and I going back and forth, having a chance to get plays even then to then becoming full time with Chan Gilly knowing that he had Joe Montana back when he was in Denver, when they had their tremendous amount of runs to championships. Uh, he came with that level of confidence and, and, and comfort because he was my receivers coach too as well when I, was, when I started in 95. He's like, you know what? Just be you. Whatever decision you make, you see it, you trust it, and you react to it. And lo and behold, that's how it happened. And he ended up leaving going to Dallas right after that and uh, you know, I had to figure it out from there. So uh, it was one of those situations where it was a great run in Pittsburgh. It's something that will forever be remembered, and I'm very appreciative of it. But with the game being the way it is today, yeah, yeah, and it's not like I'm an old guy at all, right? I'm still young. You look at me. Hey, you should have <laughs> went and played for the Broncos, dude. Yeah, they had a <laughs> they had a wide receiver that played. Now. Guys, 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 guys. I'm 48. All right. <laughs> you don't look at them. I mean, you don't look at. I, I, yeah, but. You know, a hamstring here and there, out there in that beautiful country, you know. My memories in Colorado were great. I don't want it to end on a hamstring pull or a lower back blowout, okay? So, you know, I let those young kids have it in that cold weather. But, again, I had a great run, guys. It was fun, honestly. Uh, to see Taysom Hill do what he's doing, uh, the way he's doing it, I think it's tremendous, to be honest. Uh, I could sit here and – and talk about everything of what they said when I was playing. But that was my time. This this is this kid's time to go out and play. The game is allowing him to be himself and be an athlete at the position, uh, to be able to go out and, and, and play and know that being patient is not a bad thing, right? And you yeah. know one thing for sure, Sean Payton's not going anywhere when it comes to being a play caller. So he's going to be fortunate and blessed to have that on his side. 
uh, there in New Orleans if he gets that opportunity to be the quarterback long term. But after this season, once Drew Brees gets healthy and come back. Cordell, um, by the way, I think Taysom's probably going to appreciate you saying that. I would assume that a lot of guys who played quarterback, but were also like Lamar, I would assume, uh, Kyler Murray as well. I assume yeah. they all know of your greatness, which is all that matters in this entire thing. But whenever you look, let, let's pivot back to the Steelers now. When you watch that Wednesday afternoon football game yesterday, I'd assume you watched it. Did you get a chance to check it out? Yeah, I did. I did. I watched it. Uh, it was a close one. RG3 came in and why is it so bad? Why was it such bad football this late into the season? Right now, granted, I know the game has been moved and everything like that, but we're in week 12 now, going into week 13. Why was that such bad football yesterday? Was it the timing? Was it the situation? Was it just AFC North football? What do you think it was? I think it was all three of those that you just mentioned. I think okay. it was timing. Uh, I just think it's the matchup, you know, as well. It's never a clean game between those two teams when you think about how Baltimore and the Steelers play, uh, whether it's playing in Baltimore or playing in Pittsburgh, it's always that match. Even going back to when I played the game, I mean, I was what? I think I was 81 or 91 against them, but it never was easy. Uh, you know, I have to throw that in there. It never was easy uh, playing against uh, the Baltimore Ravens, you know, regardless, because it was the egos of, you know, Marvin Lewis, bringing a 3-4 defense into Baltimore to figuring out who had the better 3-4 defense, right, between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Baltimore Ravens. To now it's just became a traditional uh, going from what? It was a, at one time an AFC Central division to then now the AFC North division. And who's going to be the bully within that division uh, that's going to be able uh, to come out of it victorious? Now, no one's talking about the Cleveland Browns right now. Like, that team is really playing good football to where they're going to make they're going to make their mark and probably be in the second best team in that division because RG3 not RG3 excuse me but Lamar Jackson going through his covid and and also the other players in the backfield to the offensive linemen and defensive players so you know if you will we as a Steelers team caught <laughs> it's not no one's fault but you know, what we're all dealing with in this country, which is COVID-19, and we don't want anything to happen to the players, but we didn't get, in my opinion, I think, the Baltimore Ravens' best shot because their better players weren't on the field because of what took place with COVID-19. But it still was a battle. It still was a struggle. And if you hear Ben Roethlisberger and Mike Tomlin, they're not happy with the way they played that game, knowing that they didn't have their best players on the field. So you have to create some form of transparency, let alone some perspective, to say, hey, we didn't get the Baltimore Ravens' best shot, and we still struggled. That's the way you have to look at it when you're in the position that the Steelers are in, where they came off you know, going into that game 10-0, right? Have you ever uh, met have Having you ever some met sketchy Tom wins, let's be transparent, on the road in Dallas, on the road, you know, having some, I think on the road in Baltimore, I think, right after that correct me if i'm wrong and in both those games weren't easy games and to come to this one not having their best players on the field still struggle if you will considering how they wanted to play it didn't happen so looking at pittsburgh and how they're not settling uh, and it's always been this way in, in that city uh, when it comes to that team is you can't you can't rest and get comfortable so i just think it's one of those things where they should have to get better and and walk away feeling good about how they won the game, which I think is great perspective moving forward, knowing what you're trying to play for. 
do, do you and Mike Tomlin know each other well? I'd assume that he's reached out to old legends of the Steelers. And from what I've heard about the Pittsburgh Steelers team is it's like, a, you know, it's almost like more like a college where people are still around almost. Do you and Tomlin know each other well? I've met him once, actually. I met him once. I uh, think when we a few years ago played against the New England Patriots in Pittsburgh, uh, they invited they invite the guys back all the time. I only went back once over the past few years. Uh, but, you know, Coach Tomlin, he's a player's coach. He played the game of floor, played receiver. He gets it. Uh, he was in Tampa, had a run playing in the sec- you know, coaching in the secondary. So he understands the game. Um, he is he is a Pittsburgh's head coach. Uh, he's tough. He keeps you he keeps you grounded. Uh, you don't hilarious. get too high. You don't get too low with the lows. So he's straight up. He is hilarious. His yeah, his yeah. yesterday his press conference. He just cut a promo oh. basically against the Steelers. All right, we look like a JV yeah. team. Uh, what was the problem? Us sucking basically. <laughs> we is suck. what he said yeah. anything. We it, suck. <laughs> straight up. That's what they say in Pittsburgh. We know you suck. I'm the first one. I could be the one to tell you. I know what it sounds like when they tell you you're sucking. That's, <laughs> trust me when I tell you. They 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 let you have it, bro. When you're not doing a good job, and and uh, you know, I think Coach Tomlin is getting ahead of the ball. You know, going down the hill, picking up all the trash. Right. You know, he's letting you know straight up before you give it to me. I'm gonna give it to you about who we are. We suck right now. That wasn't a good game. Even though we got the dub, we'll let you pat us on the back. We're not going to pat ourselves on the back. We're going to let you know we suck right now. And in order for us to be really good and be great to accomplish what we need to accomplish, because remember, you do still have Kansas City that's sitting out there right now that we know at any time they could be down 24 nothing in the first half and in one quarter put up anywhere from 21 to 28 points on you within the first 10 minutes of that third quarter and have you scratch your head asking questions like, what the heck just happened? So I think the perspective of who they are, knowing that they're not running the football that well right now. They're just they're just not getting it done. And 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 when you're relying just on a passing game and Ben has turned the ball over a few times, I think he's keeping the proper perspective and knowing that Ben is playing good football, but if he doesn't have any balance and you're forcing him to throw the football all the time, that's going to be the, the the narrative and the story moving forward. That if we can stop them from running the football, make Ben throw it and turn the football over, you know, if we don't get that corrected right now, moving forward, which we're not perceiving that this is going to be continuous. This is going to be a continual thing. Um, ben is who he is. He is the Pittsburgh Steelers. But if we make it hard for them, harder, let's just say that harder for them by forcing them to throw it, knowing that he's turned the football over. The teams are going to be pretty happy if they're dependent on Ben in the passing game and they start doing that because that's not uh, what we're accustomed to seeing from him because he's getting the ball out of his hands fast. You know, it's much better. That's the topic of the conversation with how he's played since he's been back off of his injury. He's not ad-libbing, ad-libbing, trying to make plays with his feet and, 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 you know, taking some time, which he still does. But he gets the ball out of his hand really fast. But I think the running game needs to be corrected. Defense is playing great. Had a couple injuries on the defensive side of football. If they can get that corrected, man, they're going up again. I mean, Kansas City is the bar. Let's just be transparent, regardless if the Steelers are undefeated. They're the bar. And if they don't correct what they're doing right now, they're not going to have a chance to really uh, uh, get in position to go to the big game, which we all know it's about going to the – it's all about Super Bowls in Pittsburgh. It's not about playoffs. It's not yeah. about winning one or two games. It's about getting into the Super Bowl and letting the chips fall where they may. The interesting thing about that Chiefs team, though, if you look at the way the Steelers are built – with that D-line, mm-hmm. 
You know what I mean? Yep. With the way that is a team, the Steelers are a team that could potentially now Bud Dupree getting an ACL yesterday was not great for that defense. I mean, he not has been a massive piece of it. Him and TJ Watt have been racing to quarterbacks all weekend. But I think mm-hmm. the thing about it is if you can keep Patrick Mahomes contained in the pocket, that's I think the only chance you have to slow him down. But even if you do that, by the way, you still gotta cover Travis, Tyreek, Nicole Hardman, Le'Veon Bell, who's there now. It's gonna be problematic in the AFC for a long, long time. Connor, what do you got for Cordell? Slash uh Robert Griffin III after the game talked about, you know, how he's a leader in the locker room and also Jacoby Brissett for the Colts is another guy who comes to mind. Is the backup role for the quarterback kind of developed into more of a leadership, into more of a uh, power role, or was it kind of, is it the same as it was when you were in the league as well? Let's just say it's, it's sometimes the voice of reason, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the backup quarterback is the starter's best friend. He's your ally so to speak, to the point where if something needs to be conveyed to a receiver that's frustrated or something needs to be conveyed uh, to the offensive line or something needs to be conveyed to whomever it may be on the offensive side of the football, sometimes the best person to do that is the backup quarterback because he can see through the starter's eyes sometimes what he's looking at. May not actually react or or, or come away uh, the way you wish, uh, but you know what he's trying and or, or attempting to do sometimes, especially when there's interceptions, fumbles, if you will, by the quarterback, sacks, uh, just a continuous one, two, three and out. Uh, he sometimes will be that person, like Mike Tomzak was for me early on in my career, um, that would go and tell the guys, hey, <laughs> you know, uh, this is what's going on. Be patient. I remember, just, just as an example, I remember being slashed. You know, we're playing the slash role my rookie year. And we were down, I think, like 31-3 to or 31-13 against Cincinnati in 1995 on the road. And I remember being in the slot, and I kept telling uh, – I kept being wide open running down the seam. You know, and what I mean by the seam is just running straight down the hash, right? Play single high safety. They got flat defenders, whether it's the Sam the strong safety or the Sam or the wheelbacker on the weak side. You inside release, you go straight down the seams. No one's covering me. I go up to Mike Tom's like, I said, Mike. And I'm and I'm waving my hand pretty, you know, pretty, you know, loud and clear to, to Neil that I'm open. I'm like, Neil, bro, I'm open. Every receiver says that, right? So I go to Mike because we're all in the quarterback meetings together. I say, Mike, tell Neil the next time we run this play again, after he makes the throw on the outside, look down the seam and see where I am and see that I'm not covered. So he does it. He doesn't throw the ball again. I say, Neil, I say, Mike. The next time we run this play uh-huh. again, just tell him, look down the seam. I'm open, bro. I promise you. He said, I got you, Stu. I got you. So he tells Neil. Neil comes back. He takes a look at it. 71-yard touchdown. We go on a run. We end Woo! up being six. Yeah! So, so that voice of reason by the backup is very instrumental. I think a lot of ways, especially when it's come to conveying stuff to the coordinator, the quarterback coach, the offensive line coach, or even just to me to help me see things just a little bit different for the starter that is a little bit different to where, you know, you may be caught up into what you're caught up into to where you may be missing a few little things. So, you know, when you look at the Kansas city chiefs or even the backups, you know, on either team, um, they're instrumental to the eyes of the coordinators and, and the quarterbacks, especially uh, when it comes to playing under so much duress and the, and the expectation is so high. It's so interesting to think that they're like the buffer almost. Like, hey, you, they're like yeah. a lobbyist for some people. Like, hey, listen. Uh, yeah. 
Oh, buddy's got a lot of shit going on. I know that he's probably not going to listen to me. I'm a rookie, <laughs> rookie wide receiver at this point. But will you please tell Neil that I am wide open as in? And Tom Zach's like, yeah, well, I, I actually look, just was, heard Hey, from look, look, Pat, it was more than that. I, I said a little louder. I was like, bro, dude, you need to bleep, 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 tell, tell <laughs> Neil that I'm freaking open, bro. You know, because you, 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 you hear it all the time that the quote-unquote prima donna receivers, right? And I wasn't that guy. I was yeah, happy to get on the football field, but I didn't want to come. I wanted to come across that way, so I tried to, you know, slide it in the best I could. So even my times, I don't think because we're in the same room that I'm going to get all the, you know, the goodies, right? <laughs> so, asshole, huh? You know, I don't want Andre Hastings, Charles Johnson, or Ernie Mills and Yancey Thigpen thinking that I'm trying to one up them, right? So, which I was, but <laughs> I'm like, dude, I'm wide open. And lo and behold, when I said it and we caught it, man, we were on a run. And, and uh, we ended up getting – and I think we were on like a four or five game winning streak because I think we were down like – we were two and four or something crazy, one and four at that time. And that oh. was one of those games that ignited our run to allowing us that season to finish 11 and five and making a run to a Super Bowl. But, yeah, the backup quarterback, you know, he's, he's, the, he's the greatest player on the football field, right, especially when the starter's doing bad. So – you make him earn his keeps while you're doing good, or if you're struggling just a little bit by talking to everybody, and you're pretty much helping him, so to speak, to where when you're not doing good, you're making him become best friends with everybody while you're out there playing. So when he does get a chance to come in, they're like, yeah, let's go. We're about to go do it. And, you know, they end up doing it, you know, just like Teddy Bridgewater when Drew Brees went down and you saw that run last year. He made a great run, and, and, and you know, however they got it done, they did a great job to help to where when Drew Brees came back, they finished 13 and three that in the regular season, won a division, end up losing a little bit too soon. Uh, but that's another Push moment in time that we had a chance to see <laughs> uh, the backup quarterback somewhat be a hero, so to speak. Hey, Cordell, it's always, as a kid that grew up in Pittsburgh during your era, it's really cool to talk to you. And I can't thank okay. you enough for your time, man. Hey, you know what, guys? You know, talking a, b- a bunch of crap and, you know, bringing back old memories. Call me whenever you want to. <laughs> 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 Call me whenever you want to. I love doing that. <laughs> Cordell Stewart. Like, the holidays are just around the corner. Are you looking for a way to stay connected with loved ones during the holidays? Everyone knows this year is going to be a little different. In terms of social distancing, gatherings are going to be a lot smaller. There may be some people who you're used to seeing every single year who you don't get the opportunity to see this year. And that's why Skylight Frames is a perfect gift for staying connected with your loved ones. I want to give a gift that you know makes my mom feel like she's with me during the holidays because we probably aren't going to see each other. So for a really special gift for the special people in your life, you've got to check out the Skylight Frame. Skylight Frame is a photo frame you can update instantly by email from anywhere. A great way to feel close to those you love even when you're separated. It sets up effortlessly in under 60 seconds. You just plug it in, use the touchscreen to connect to your wireless network, and you're good to go. And sending photos to Skylight is effortless. Everyone in the family can just email them to your personal Skylight email address, and they'll pop up in seconds. Multiple people can send photos to the frame, so it's a great way to keep large networks of friends and families in touch. It has a black frame and white mat, so it looks like a real photo frame that adds a beautiful touch to your home. 
And Skylight Frame has a gorgeous 10-inch touchscreen. You can swipe through photos with your finger and even tap to thank the person who sent you the photo. And satisfaction is a hundred... And it's 100% satisfaction guaranteed. If you don't love your Skylight, they'll offer you a full refund. You can preload it with your favorite photos for a personalized gift and import pictures of you and either you know your wife, your girlfriend, your fiancé, your kids, whatever it may be that they didn't even know you had. Like I said, I gave one of these to my mom for Christmas because I'm not going to be going home this year. It has me, my fiancé, my dog in it. And it just kind of sits there and lets her know I'm thinking about her. You know, it's simple, so she doesn't have to mess around with it. Anyone can set it up. She absolutely loves it. And now, as a special offer, you can get $10 off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com and enter code McAfee. That's right. To get $10 off your purchase of a Skylight Frame, just go to skylightframe.com and enter code McAfee. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T F-R-A-M-E.com promo code McAfee. Joining us, college football champion, Super Bowl champion, and a man who, you know, has one of the greatest chins in all of sports, ladies and gentlemen, AJ. Yeah! yeah! How you doing, dude? I'm good. How you doing? You didn't get into a, you didn't get beat up last night, right? You just spoke to the camera? Yeah, seven minutes of me speaking. Thought there was a chance I was potentially going to get my ass kicked, but I went out there and just spoke the truth. Hey, boys and I are ready for Sunday war games, and we Woo! cannot wait. And the three badasses I have alongside of me, they ain't going to let a single thing happen to me, buddy. They ain't going to let a single thing happen to me. We're going to end the undisputed area. Yeah! Hell yeah! That's what we got going on, AJ. Not much. Just watched a, a riveting football game yesterday at 340 kickoff. Have you did you, that looked like a preseason football game? That was an ugly, ugly, ugly football game. And yesterday, Connor, we, we let off the show with this. Yesterday, Connor did an entire speech about how years from now, when we're watching <laughs> midday games uh-huh. in the middle of the week, we should remember the founding father of that. And that was what we had a chance to experience yesterday. But instead, I believe the NFL is going to be like, well, can't have games at 340 on Wednesday because the players don't know how to play football anymore. And, and that, that seemed like what the case was. Steelers get a win. Mike Tomlin's not happy. But that was an ugly football game. And I, last night after I got home after NXT, I turned on NBC. You know what was on instead of the football game. It was all recycled re- garbage bullshit. That show sucked, too. I mean, it was – so it was just – I thought NBC was going to have an incredible lineup there from 340 all the way through. Game was stuck, and that Rockefeller Christmas tree lighting thing was even worse. Brutal. It, it was a bad night there uh, whenever we – but, hey, things like that are going to happen. We're all alive, at least. That's good news. Yeah, I, I didn't see the uh, the tree lighting ceremony. I know I'm – it's a shame because mm-hmm. over seven million other people, I guess, watched that. But I did. What I did see was something on the internet when they tried to block everybody off. They didn't want them to be able to go to the when they actually lit it up, and they actually created like a little COVID tunnel where everyone cramped in trying to get pictures of when the tree got lit. <laughs> well, see, the thing about those COVID tunnels is, you know, whenever you get in the middle of one, can't get out. You, you can't get out. <laughs> I believe. I believe it is one where I, I think the. Ah, uh, who the fuck knows at this point? Some three-letter place, okay, that has scientists involved in it. They've moved the amount of days, you know, because originally it was, what, 21 days, and then, then it was 14 days, it was 10 days, and seven days. It was CDC, I guess. They, they just shortened it down to 10 days or nine days now. So 
I mean, nobody knows anything, but I do know if you're in a COVID tunnel, maybe the COVID just battles each other in there. Ooh, and the oh. humans just kind of kind of skirt by. But yeah, anytime I saw, as soon as I saw them trying to rope things off and say, like, you can't come, and I saw the um, uh, the mayor, what's his name? It seems like he's done the a really Blasio. Good job. Yeah, that guy. Seems like he, yeah, here's a here's a New Yorker, by the way, man. Sorry, just screamed from the background. That guy fucking sucks. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I don't live in New York. I'm not there much. I don't know if I'll, anybody will ever really go back, but um he said like we're telling everybody to watch from home or whatever and then the governor was doing that and then immediately upon saying that as soon as you hear that you know what exactly what that means like oh okay that means that there's gonna be people that aren't gonna watch from home maybe people that were thinking about watching from home heard you say that and they're like oh is that right de blasio huh is that goddamn right because let me tell you what de blasio i will i will fucking come right (laughs) in there if i have to you know what i mean like that is kind of that is kind of how I see it all working out. And I, I, I didn't see that part of the COVID tunnel or anything like that, but yeah, I did expect that to happen. Yeah, they, I think the picture I saw, they parked buses to block people off, and then the people were trying to find a way in between the buses, like the little three-foot gap to, to squeeze a picture in there. I was checking the, um, the internet last night, you know, because wrestling, the internet wrestling community, I just – I enjoy whenever uh, they get going, you know, it's nice to kind of kind of get them going, you know, so I like to see what they have to say because they, they're a bunch of bums, so the it's nice to know what they have to say or whatever, and I was seeing a lot of things that were trending, and, you know, it stung a little bit to see some of the things that people were saying about me and all that stuff, but the um, uh, martial law was trending last night oh, on uh, Twitter, Jesus. and Whoa. I was like, oh, what the fuck is going on here? I- is this a form of martial arts? I don't know. What do we got going on here? And, uh, and I clicked on it. Turns out, I guess, Los Angeles have prohibited moving outside of your house by foot, bike, car, or air. So that's, uh, I guess, that is that is what the martial arts is over there. Doing. But it's so. real confusing. I know The thing that I've seen on it is there was like a list of exceptions, though, and there's a million weird exceptions to, I guess, the reason why you're able to leave your house. I don't know. Uh, here's a good exception. If you pay the politicians in the area, you are accepted from this particular form of martial arts is what it sounds like. And I don't think I fully understand what martial law is, but it was trending hot last night. I mean, it was a Ty, You're a little bit smarter than we all are, even though you sucked in college, but you still got into Harvard. So I said, what is martial arts? Martial law, I believe, is when, like, you know, basically <laughs> things get taken into, like, everyone else's hands. Like, they, I mean, there's... The, the military, military, yeah, military takes exactly. over. Exactly. Yeah. Karate shops. Yeah, military's giving out a bunch of karate shops. <laughs> you know, it sounds like it. The way I was reading it, I saw a lot of people in L.A. tweeting. Uh, I think they were probably the ones that were like, what is this, martial law or whatever? And it's... And the more I read on Twitter, obviously, the less I fully understood, but... They're not even allowed outside their house to take a piss out there. Like, you know what nope. I mean? Like, I enjoy peeing outside every once in a while mm-hmm. at the house because I got some property. One of the really benefits of having some property is getting a chance to, as soon as you get home, and I have an active bladder. I drink a lot of fluids. It's doing it. I don't even think they're allowed to stand outside. Like, I don't, I don't even think you're allowed to even look at the ocean, even though you live so damn close to it. It's <laughs> like, I know you guys got good weather out there, but I'm not sure you're allowed to feel it. Everybody's got 70 and sunny inside of your houses over there. Uh, we're pulling for everybody. We hope everybody's safe. Is that going to stop COVID, I guess, doing that? Is that what that's going to do? That's the plan, I guess, right? Yeah, because I remember one plan was uh, this martial arts for everybody in the country for two, three weeks, and that was, what, 10 months ago, and we're still doing this whole thing. Didn't work. Seems like martial arts is not the right way to go. We need to figure out a new discipline, okay? (laughs) Yeah. yeah. What's that, Zito? MMA. We need it. 
Mixed martial arts. Mix, mixed martial law. <laughs> That's what we need. We need mixed. <laughs> this is a sports show. Sports show. Yeah. Yeah, how do you how do you tie martial law into sports? Well, I think we need mixed martial law to really attack this COVID if we want to take it down. But T's and P's, everybody out in L.A. Also, Santa Clara County, I assume, is the same type of thing yeah. going on. Uh-huh. If you guys are locked down, we'll try our best to put some dumb stuff on the Internet for you to enjoy alongside us. I will say this. Uh, we're in Florida currently, and it does feel like uh, very different than the mixed martial law that's going on over in California. Oh, yeah? Hanging out out there by the pool. I will assume, not not the pool that we're at, and also it's been like 40 degrees, but uh, there's a lot of traffic still. So mm-hmm. that's just kind of how I judge. Somebody's going, these people are going somewhere. I don't know where they're going, but they're, gonna, they're not locked down in their house. So I think Florida is potentially the complete opposite of that. And you could probably look for a spike um, in population in Florida, if I had to guess. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Everybody thought I was going to go a different way with that spike. Yeah. Yeah, that's what you guys thought? Yeah. Well, I know because we know you. So The Florida boom. <laughs> yeah, I feel like there's a lot of people moving down here, it feels like. I, I saw moving trucks just fucking driving. That in Texas? Yeah, is Texas like Florida? Is it wide open? I oh. know Rogan went down there. Is it like uh, Florida? I'm pretty sure. There? I know there are a couple cities that they have been talking like El Paso, I think, was one of them that just said, like, hey, basically, you got to stay in your houses. We got to get this under control. Yeah, I don't know about, you know, Houston, Dallas and a lot of the much bigger cities, but I know a couple of them have been doing that. Hopefully it'll work, man. It won't. won't. (laughs) Let's go to Aaron in North Carolina. Aaron, what's going on? (laughs) What's up, Pat? How are we doing today? A little bit hopeless, you know. It feels like (laughs) big cities got no shot of getting beat. What do you want to talk about, dude? Well, first off, I have to tell you, nothing wrong about what you said, but out, uh, Coastal Carolina is in Conway, North Carolina, which is next to Myrtle Beach. Yeah, and they did that strictly so they wouldn't be directly tied to Myrtle Beach, but I can respect that. Okay, is it the same county? Is it two different counties? Honestly, I am from North Carolina. I have no idea. But just Well, don't you come in here trying to uh, fucking geez. correct me then if you don't even know your own goddamn geography, Aaron. I mean, any, if any suits came in here and yelled at you for that, I'm just trying to help. I'm a helpful guy. Pat, it's, it's a 20-minute drive from the University of the goddamn beach. Thank you. I mean, <laughs> no, I'm <laughs> going, I, I, going I, against I, you, Pat. I have a question. Also, not just a just quick question though. Senior Frogs down there is also a 15 20 minute drive from the beach as well. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, you're going from Myrtle to North Myrtle. You might as well go to the university, ipso facto. Yeah, you well. it, seems like a, it seems like a fun time down there. Ball at the beach. You do, I'll tell you what, Myrtle Beach. I have been numerous, t- believe it or not. The guy that's doing a talk show right now in jorts and a tank top has Foxy just sneezed. Jesus Christ, that's oh, your Foxy. Foxy. Put your mask God. on, Fox. Foxy does have his mask on, by the way. Aww. Big on, on this particular. That's why I still got this thing around my neck. Whenever you're on property here, it is a big lockdown. Good Gator. But I am, but gator. I am at the end of a. Um, I'm at the end of a very long boardroom desk. I guess is what I've been told that was used for a lot of big time decisions. But believe it or not, the guy doing the show in jorts and a tank top has been to Myrtle Beach numerous times. <laughs> I have been in Myrtle, great and place. I have a great time down there. So I, it's a compliment whenever I say Coastal Carolina is in Myrtle Beach. Uh, but I can understand how the town of Conway is probably a little bit upset about it, but whatever, you get it. Aaron, what do you want to talk about, dude? Okay, so as a long staffer and a specialist, um, I have a question about how you were so dominant at onside kicks and how you just got the ball spinning like that. Because for a long time, y'all are just killing people with these onside kicks. I appreciate that. I think I have uh, the most in the season or tied for the most in the season. Never gets talked about. No big deal. Hmm. Um, 
I was a good soccer player. Could do a lot with the ball. We've all learned that uh, I used to just kick a soccer ball against the side of my house for hours on end because I had too much ADD to play video games or watch anything. I think that helps in. And also, I worked on them. I think there's a lot of kickers that don't work on them because it's a lot of strain on your groin and on your toe. For me, I worked on them because I thought it was quite an advantage, and we used it uh, there for a couple of years. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Let's go to Kevin in Pittsburgh. What's going on, Kevin? Hey, Pat. First off, I want to say I can't wait to watch you punch some people to the moon on Sunday. Yeah! That's what I'm talking Woo! about. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, but anyways, I want to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers, and um, I know it was pretty atrocious watching them yesterday. But anyways, knowing that these are the types of games that they lose in years past, it's got to be somewhat reassuring knowing that they were able to sneak away with the win yesterday. Amen. Yeah, agreed. Just like the Gary Gilbert game against the Cowboys, and, and they always talk about how they played down to their opponent. The good news about the playoffs is you're not playing anybody bad. Mm-hmm. AJ, why do teams do that? Like, why do you guys, and this happens to uh, – your position's much more than kickers or punters, even though Boz missed one yesterday, too. So it felt like it was a end of returner, bobbled one, Ray Ray McLeod bobbled one earlier. The um, It feels like, though, in the game of football, there is a chance for a relaxed feeling if you're playing against a team that you don't think is as good as you. Why is that? I don't know. It's something about, like, human nature, no matter how much you try to fight against it. And we talk about it on the show all the time. Like, when you're playing a team that you should absolutely beat, your coaches most likely are going to be losing their mind all week because they're so worried that you guys are going to take it lightly and, oh, you can't sleep on these guys. They're going to beat you. When you're watching the film, you're like, I don't know if you've watched so far this year, but these guys are not going to beat us. They are not as good as us. (laughs) But, hey, it happens, though. You know, like you can get beat. But I think where the Steelers are, though, right now, it's a good thing to hear Tomlin's post-game comments and be all upset because, like, they built the expectations so high that they're not happy with a win. Like, that's a good thing for everybody, I think, if you're a Steelers fan. We should run those clips right now, Zito. They were amazing after the game. Mike Tomlin is always impressive in his press conferences. He's always hilarious. He is straight to the point while being entertaining. Yesterday after the game, after they get a win, but it was very ugly against the Baltimore Ravens in a WAF matchup at Boston <laughs> Connor. This is what Mike Tomlin had to say. Do you attribute that to anything in particular? A uh, sucking. <laughs> <laughs> What was the first one, Zito? Not just that one. I think there's another clip, right? Yep. Point in our performance tonight. Uh, we did enough to win, uh, but that's all. Um, it was really junior varsity, to be quite honest with you. Uh, and it was in all three phases. We couldn't run the ball effectively when we needed to. We dropped too many significant passes, very catchable, makeable passes. We didn't make significant plays in the special teams game. Our kickoff coverage unit wasn't good enough. We turned the damn ball over. Um, we gave up big plays in critical moments on defense. Can't have it. Uh, they converted a, a, a long run on a, on a possession down with focal moments on defense. Can't have it. Uh, they converted a, a, a long run on a, on a possession down before the half. Unacceptable. They had a 70-yard touchdown late in the game. Unacceptable. It's good to, to proceed um, with the victory. I acknowledge that. Uh, but not a lot happened tonight to be proud of or to be excited about other than that. Yeah, I, by the way, shout out to whoever put the photos over him speaking there. Great edit there. I like that a lot. The um, Was that the Steelers that put the photos over him? No, we had to put the photos over to protect ourselves from uh, ESPN and other uh, media networks. Who told you that? Uh, it was just it was live uh, footage of the game. Uh, it was from first take. The other one had yeah. a mouse on his nose the whole time. And it was It was really bad. Oh, Zito, I appreciate it. I like watching him speak, though. Like, that was the, like I enjoy watching him speak. So he wasn't speaking behind those photos. 
What's that? He was not speaking. Like you couldn't. They see were him. showing game highlights behind those. Yes, like Steelers. Oh, highlights, yeah. okay, we're not allowed to okay. show those. So I, that makes sense. By the way, I was in practice this morning, so you guys made the right decision. Good work there. Um, by the way, Nick, thanks for coming in there. And <laughs> Got it. That speaking English. That was really good work. By you. <laughs> teamwork, guys. Yeah, teamwork. Absolutely, Zito. Great work. You've been doing a great job back there. Thank you. He though, <laughs> he knows. And by the way, I love whenever a coach just dissects an entire game afterwards. 71-yard, blah, 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 unacceptable. Blah, 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 unacceptable. This, blah, blah, blah. But it, it, it's junior varsity, by the way. You could tell that he said that about his team, but I assume at points he thought that about the other team as well. And the fact that, that it was a game, he was like, yeah, junior varsity, this is just not good at all. The Steelers have had a couple of those this year. They're still undefeated. This is very much like the Packers last year, how they were winning ugly. You know, they are still winning, so – I'm intrigued by it all to see how it all plays out because, hey, you're going to get got. You just got to get yours when you get got, though, AJ. Yeah, you're right. If I was Joe Hayden, I would have a little – I'd say, hey, what about my – when I baited RG3 and got a pick six early in the game to put us on the board, like that's that was a hell of a play. Hey, Coach, pretty varsity fucking move, huh? Six points early. <laughs> I mean, I, granted, I know we missed the extra point, but I feel like let's let's go ahead and relax a little bit. That They got a short week now, too. And the boys asked earlier about how they move it. And it was like whenever you play on Monday, Monday is considered Sunday in, in the football world. So then Sunday is obviously Saturday, and Saturday is Friday and everything like that. But they just played on Wednesday afternoon. They play on Monday again. So if Monday is Sunday, Sunday is Saturday, Saturday is Friday, uh, Fridays, you get it, Thursday. I mean, today's Wednesday. They didn't have a day off. They're right into their work day. I would assume it's going to be a light work week, but he seems to be pissed off. So if a coach is pissed off, normally he's going to handle things differently, but he knows that it's a short week. They're going to have to figure it out. I'll be intrigued to see how they handle this whole week, this short week against the Washington team on Monday night. Well, I mean, you would think they're not going to be uh, – they may not be in full pads this week. They probably shouldn't. But I know Tomlin's not scared to, to do that. Uh, I, I, it will be. I guess it will be interesting to see how they do it. But I, I like that Tomlin also says, like, hey, no excuses. Doesn't matter. Like, he's never going to blame anything else, even though he 100% understands and his mind knows – yeah, this obviously is not exactly an ideal situation for our team getting delayed like this over and over again and then taking a short week, but I like that he doesn't publicly make that like an issue. And privately, I bet with his family, he has that conversation, though. Yes. <laughs> I bet his wife is like, "Do you? can you believe what they're doing to you? He's like, no, it's absolute bullshit. It is beyond ridiculous. It is certifiably ape shit like that is what he's saying and then he goes to the media he's like we do not care okay because he has to set the tone for the team mm-hmm. so what the coach is saying is the, the messaging of the team that he wants right so even if he has this it's like a drill sergeant i had a friend who became a drill sergeant in the marines and whenever he's doing uh basic or whatever boot camp or whatever it is he has to be like the perfect marine right so he's never tired never smiles they never see him eat or anything like that and he is always full on hey i hate you type thing and then immediately afterwards he gets a couple weeks off you know and i got a chance to ask him one time i'm like how do you feel he's like it's terrible he's like whenever i'm i have to act as if i am just this robot of a human i'm not allowed to eat for 13 hours i get like two hours of sleep and i gotta tell them like this is what it is (laughs) but inside of his head he's just like oh this is a nightmare because he has to send a message to his guys this is how you're supposed to act just like a coach this is how we feel about this situation. So when he comes out and says, we do not care, that's him not only telling the media that, but that's him telling the locker room too, by the way. Like, when you're asked, 
this is how we view it. Now, granted, Twitter has changed a little bit because you get some inside scoops on how people actually feel, but that's everything for a coach. That's just like – that's why yesterday whenever we heard Anthony Lynn was basically like, yeah, we're probably out of it. Yeah. Like you, they, And I saw a lot of Chargers fans are like, what, he's telling the truth or whatever. It's like, okay, I get it as a pundit you think he's telling the truth, or as a fan you think he's telling the truth, but he's setting the tone for how everybody else is supposed to think and feel about a situation. It's just a whole different world out there. Uh, anytime a, a head coach is speaking to the media, he's not he's he's trying to get his message across to the team. Like he's speaking to his team through the media, and you're you're 100 right. Like this is this is the stance we're taking. Now, obviously, it's not a dictatorship. You can say what you want. You're an individual, but hey, this is kind of the company line. This is how we feel that with the culture going on here. If you want to step out of line, hey, you better be a hell of a player, I guess. If you want to if you want to veer off the message of the team, you just got to be really really good. And also in team meetings. You know, in team meetings, they'll say you're going to get asked about this. This is our. This is how we feel about it. I'll never forget um, uh, Josh McNary. He got charged with a a pretty serious crime, uh, sexual assault. A man that was in the army for a long time and then joined our team, and he was a special teams guy. And it happened right before we're about to go into a playoffs and on a run and everything like that. And it, it blindsided all of us because we love Josh McNary and he was a good guy. And Chuck Pagano, you know, he said, you're going to get asked about this. The, everybody else knows uh, more than we do about this situation. So be very guarded with your words. Obviously, this is a very serious deal or whatever. And I, as somebody that, you know, Josh McNary did a lot for me, okay, like in special teams, I got a chance to know him, and I liked him a lot. I, like, went up to Chuck afterwards, and I was like, Chuck, if I get asked about this, like, I'm not – like, I'm not just going to be able to say, like, I don't know what's going on there. Like, I, I feel like this, you know what I mean? And he was like, listen, you you do whatever you got to do then or whatever. So I obviously got asked about it. And I let off with, first of all, if he did this, I hope that justice is served tenfold, right? Like, if he did this, which, by the way, I don't think any of us could have seen coming or whatever. But if he does this, I hope justice is served. Uh, but if he didn't, I would also hope that this gets proven or whatever. And I think... Obviously, our court system says that everybody's innocent until proven guilty. I want to kind of see that work out, right? So I want everybody else just kind of did like, a, you know more than we do. You know more than we do. We're not going to talk about it. But for whatever reason, on that particular reason, that case, I was like, I have to, I feel like I have to, like, what am I to Josh McNary if a guy who I have done a lot alongside and I know a lot about, in the next morning, the media, local media said, Pat McAfee, thinks Josh McNary should be considered innocent until proven guilty. Your thoughts, okay? And I was like, oh, yeah, I fucking created that statement. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I made that. So we should put it on a shirt almost. And Pat McAfee said innocent until proven guilty or whatever, you know. And I caught a little bit of heat. Inevitably, he was innocent on all charges. There was a lot of things cooking on the back end. And he missed out on an entire playoff run as a special teamer and checks. And his career went a completely different direction. And it made zero news waves after he got found innocent right actually they were doing entire stories about uh other victims we hope you're not quiet because of this outcome or whatever and i was like listen i agree okay in this like i agree that there are victims and i hope they do speak out and i hope justice is served against all these assholes that do this but the victim in this particular case was josh mcnary like and that is not getting talked about at all you know and there's so there was a couple times where i was told how i'm going to answer things how you should answer things. And I, I was like, I can't, I can't do that. I, I just can't, I'm sorry. I just can't do that. And uh, that could have backfired immensely, obviously. And I'm, at this point, I'm, I'm pretty, 
you know, I'm happy it didn't. And I'm happy he was innocent, by the way, because if he did do that, I would hope he'd go to jail for the rest of his life. But that was one of those situations where the coaches is speaking, setting the tone for everybody else's thoughts. Like, this is how we feel about this. This is what we are going to do. And this is how you all are talking. And it's like, sometimes it's like, Mm-hmm. And the Steelers players, by the way, are tweeting like, man, this is bullshit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is not what Tomlin said. That is not, hey, you guys did not get the message that we all heard. We do not care in that entire thing. It's a wild, wild, because messaging is a big deal, especially with how many chances there are to, you know, kind of tear your team apart if people are on different pages. Well, sometimes, like, perception can become reality. And a lot of times perception is reality when you, when people are looking from the outside in. But is there a t- can you imagine – First of all, you're, you were put in a, a really difficult situation there, and obviously I think you handled it well. But how about the Patriots with the Hernandez situation? Oh. Has, has any player ever commented on the situation? I don't know. Did they? Did the PR somehow keep that away? I, I don't – that would be very tough. They did the they, whole jersey swap. So, like, after that happened, they were basically like, if you have any Aaron Hernandez gear, you can come in and basically yeah. we will swap it for a jersey and then burn them out back. <laughs> yeah, I know that for the fans, but I'm talking about for the players, the players ah. in the locker room. I would assume the media was a buzzing that day. Like, uh, hey, do you ever shoot anybody with Aaron Hernandez? I <laughs> know. <laughs> uh, I, I played catch with him. I, I was in the building. Gronk. Now that I think about it, though, he was kind of aloof. It's what everybody said. I think everybody said they didn't yep. see him outside the building. Yeah. I think that the Colts. I never did media, ever. Like I have a media career now, or whatever. Obviously, but I was never asked for interviews. I never did, did interviews ever. Like I was, which by the way, probably how it should be with a punter. Like I'm not supposed to be talking for anybody, but the Colts only had me speak whenever it was potential catastrophic situations for, for everybody involved. Like, hey, is there any way you could potentially speak about a potential gay player coming into our locker room? And I'm like, yeah, I can go do that, no problem or whatever. And then I get in there and it's just like a full thing, and I'm like, all right, it's my first time speaking this year. Let's go ahead and fucking make sure. All right, here we go. Yeah, uh, Pat, uh, nice talking to you. Yeah, I how long have you been covering the team for? I don't. I haven't done media for whatever. It's like okay. Uh, but there's been some players around the league who have said that if a gay player was coming to their locker room, they would not be with it. I'm like, yeah, but that's like what one, two players or whatever. You haven't heard the other what fifteen hundred players that have said it'd be cool. Is ignorance is always gonna blah blah blah. You know, I do that entire thing, and then as soon as soon as it's over or whatever none of that gets used right they were just waiting for me to potentially say something that is would be detrimental to how our team would look or whatever and it's like well this is the tr- i'm telling you the truth like if a guy comes in here and he works alongside of us and he practices and he works his ass off it does not matter who he loves how he feels what he does anything like that it's just like yo we're a team trying to win and anything like that and they're like, are you sure? You know, like that's <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I, th- I think so. Like, uh, yeah, I'm pretty. I feel like I got a pretty good pulse on this, this situation. Yeah. Well, because blah, 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 who's the seventh string, blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah said that. I'm like, well, I don't know that guy. And I'd assume there's potential ignorant statements coming from a lot of different places. But I can tell you the large majority of humans that I've been around, uh, this is a much different situation. They're like, And you see the camera people just like put their cameras down. Like, pissed off. <laughs> They're going to keep you in there. They're going to keep you in there until uh, you give them the answer that they're expecting, right? Yeah, I guess. But the answer they're expecting was completely wrong. And I have this this problem with, uh, you know, like, yeah, I'm not doing what you fucking want me to do. How about that? How how about we play this little game called Fuck You? Huh? How about we play this little game? It's a fun (laughs) little game. Let's do it. But it was, that was the only time I ever spoke. 
Really? Genuinely? I mean, that means that the Colts sure as hell trusted you a lot, that you were the guy that they would put out when you have like those touchy situations where you know a lot of NFL players would not handle it well. I don't know, man. But I remember, I remember them coming up to me like, hey, is there any way you could speak to the media today? I'm like, uh, yeah, absolutely. And they're like, it's about blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, all right. Not for like Pro Bowl or anything because I'm leading the league and everything. And you guys are, okay, but the, yeah, all right, got it. Here we go. Let me go. Let me go get out, uh, the, out there on the balancing uh, on, the, on the high wire here. Let's go ahead and just make it happen for you. No problem. Okay, thanks, Pat. We'll see you whenever the next uh, inevitable catastrophic PR thing potentially pops up. And then we'll just go ahead and send you out there. Like, you got it. Appreciate you guys. Love Sounds you guys. Good. Thanks for giving everybody a number one jersey, too. Uh, that, that just, <laughs> that's very nice of you guys. Dude. All right. That's the show. Thank you to all of our guests, Cordell Stewart, Jeremy Chin, and obviously AJ. And we appreciate the hell out of all of you for listening, watching, subscribing, tweeting, you name it. Uh, the fact that you guys let us penetrate your ears every day is fucking awesome we'll be back tomorrow with a feel good friday uh more great guests more great conversation we'll see you tomorrow cheers